Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I am joined by Dave Somerville. Hello. Hello. And Jake McGee. Uta. <laughs> Do that indeed. Uh, so, gentlemen, another week is done. Week 10 is now done in the NFL. The playoff picture is starting to shape up. There's just eight weeks to go. Seven games for, for some of the teams. Still eight games for others, depending on who's been on the bye. And uh, things are getting uh, nice, and, uh, nice and toasty in the AFC, where mm. I, I believe only two teams... No one is actually out to the playoff run in the FC. That's insane. Yeah. We're after week ten, not a single team is out of it. Um, although we could argue that they they are. By the way, they're playing. Obviously, uh, over in the NFC, it, it's still all to play for as well. So many teams still in contention uh, after ten weeks. Uh, we're going to jump right into week ten, and we're going to start, gentlemen, with a Thursday night game. Between the Carolina Panthers at the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field in front of 61,200 fans who watched not the best game of mm-hmm. offensive football. I think it's fairly safe to say. Um, the Bears come away with a 16 to 13 win. The actual final, sc- um, final score was, um, a kick by Eddie Pinheiro to make it 16 13. It was 16 10. And that final score came with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Not an exciting game uh, from a neutral point of view. If you're a Bears fan, you get the win. Lovely. Panthers fan, we've spoken about this time and time again. Bryce Young just does not look good uh, in this offense. Um, Jake, why don't we throw it over to you first? Did you suffer watching this entire game? Or did you, you know, skip over the highlights? What, what were your takes from Chicago versus Carolina? Um, I watched it in forty, and even that was what was too much. <laughs> it felt <laughs> it felt very preseason. Um, they had Jason Kelsey in the booth. They weren't really paying attention to the game. It was the happiest I've seen Al Michaels when uh, Eddie Pinheiro missed a fifty-nine yard field goal short. <laughs> um, it was a win-win for the Bears. Really, they got uh, the the win, but they also increased their chances of the number one draft pick, which doesn't happen very often um so definitely a good week for chicago um like i say it was out of field goal range for their kicker and instead of trying to gain a few yards they threw three incomplete passes and then fourth and ten kicked a field goal they knew was too far for their kicker um the offense for the panthers is just dire uh, and some of that is on the coaching and lack of you know weapons but what i've taken especially from this week and previous weeks is there so much talk about you know Paul Bryce Young on the, the sorry Panthers with no weapons and bad coaching and look at, let's compare him to all these other number one um, pick quarterbacks and how their rookie season went? He's not on a number one uh, draft pick team. The Panthers were number nine. They weren't the worst team in the NFL by f- they weren't by a, a big margin last Ooh, year. Yeah. You can't you can't compare him to these team. You know Trevor Lawrence and any Cleveland Brown quarterback ever because they went to the worst team. They went to teams that sucked. Some of them, like Trevor Lawrence, also had bad coaching. Um, I, I'm really getting sick of it. I don't know Don't know if it's my Saints bias, but I'm really getting sick of the kind of ass that Bryce Young is getting because he's on the number one draft pick team when, when he's not. And sure, I'm not a massive fan of his head coach. I don't think his head coach is, is a head coach. 
And when Adam Thielen is your best weapon, that is questionable. But there has been people in worse situations with worse coaches, and they don't get as much of a pass as I'm seeing Bryce Young get. That's very true. Just look at Russell Wilson from last year. Uh, (laughs) Come on, Dave. He was in the worst situation of all time there, Nathaniel Hackett. With the the exception of, of course, Trevor Lawrence, who was a number one pick, but that Urban Meyer thing failed horrendously. Uh, Dave, we will put Mm. it over to you. The Chicago Bears... Um, once again, Justin Fields didn't play. Tyson Bagent looked solid, if not spectacular. But one thing I did notice is that the Bears... Now, you, I don't know how much of this is on the, the Panthers' defense, but the Bears didn't give up a single sack in this game. And their offensive line has looked terrible through nine mm-hmm. games this year. So... Do you think maybe the offensive line for this Bears is starting to gel a bit? Do you think it was a play calling, or do you think it really was more to do with the fact that the Panthers didn't, just couldn't get anywhere near him on defense? It was a bit of everything, to be honest. The Panthers were just awful on offense and defense. Um, I mean, they didn't sack him. There was a few a few scenarios where they should have, uh, but you know, um, Tyson basically. Well, well, yeah, should I start just start calling Tyson basically? Um, because that that that's what I feel like he kind of is. He's enough for just now, but I I still think that Justin Fields is a lot better in in every way. I'm afraid to say, but um, yeah, the the Bears' play calling was a lot better in this game. Uh, the Panthers, I I don't know what they are anymore. They're they're kind of like a XFL team at this point, or if, I I don't even know what direction they're going are they tanking now because uh Bryce Young just, exactly yeah they don't they're, they're tanking for no reason whatsoever i don't know they're going for the have they got a second round pick they got the first pick in the second round at the moment i have no idea um if that was included or not but uh yeah they they, they look awful i'm afraid to say i i for for the bears um like they, they were they were pressuring young very well but the, this was awful. I mean, Jake, my my first sentence was exactly going to be what Jake's was. I watched it in forty, and I wish I hadn't. So it was it was just forty minutes of my life. I'd really like to uh, claim back from uh, maybe 20, 25 minutes from the Panthers and fifteen from the Bears. Please uh, would be quite would be quite nice. But uh, this was a game that nobody is going to remember at all. No, the people with photographic memory are going to like actively try to forget this game. This is how bad it was. But, I mean, they got the win in the end, so that's kind of what matters. Um, it is indeed. And, you know, a, a win's a win. And, and the, as I say, the Chicago fans, with the, I mean, they've got their backup quarterback in, so they should still be happy with the result. They, they beat up on a, a bad, well, they didn't beat up, they squeezed by a bad team. Um, they'll just be hoping they can get Justin Fields back pretty well, soon. Yeah, they went back to the run though uh, for quite a lot. They 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 did try to go back to what they, their strengths were last year um, with um, Deontay Foreman. Uh, you know he, he carried it 20, 21 times in the game. Uh, so I, I think they were they were actively trying to go back to what I feel like is one of their main strengths, which they've got tried to go away from this year. Uh, it was their positive from last year was the run game. Now, obviously they had David Montgomery, but. They they still were doing well in the run game, and I think they went back to it a lot more in this one. Um, and I think they need to do that more if they're going to have any success this season at all. 
Well, from uh, one inept offense uh, or two inept offenses to another one where the Indianapolis <laughs> Colts, the Indianapolis Colts visited the, the New, well, I say visited the New England Patriots. Of course, this one was on Sunday afternoon for us at the Deutsche Bank Park in Frankfurt in front of 50,144 fans. The Colts won this one 10-6 and this might be the first game that I've watched, um, like, you know, the the afternoon games, the London games, the Germany mm-hmm. games, where I just didn't, I was, I ended up playing Monopoly. During, while this game was going on, I, I got a Monopoly set for my birthday. It was very nice. I, I ended up playing Monopoly <laughs> while the game, and it was just on in the background with the sound turned so far down, you could barely hear anything going on. Um, it, it, this was a terrible game terrible game 10 to 6 to the Colts they moved to 5 and 5 the Patriots moved to 2 and 8 and this uh, Mac Jones I believe was injured in this game in came uh, Bailey Zappi uh, Mac Jones is 15 20 for 170 yards no touchdowns one pick in comes Bailey Zappi 3 of 7 25 yards no touchdowns one pick this was a, a horrendous performance by this Patriots offense um Jake I'll put it over to you first is there anything to salvage from this season for the New England Patriots or do you think this is this is just a downward slide they've probably got no chance of winning even more than one or two games this year if that what do you reckon yeah, I'm not sure how much lower you can go. I mean, they left JC Jackson at home. They benched Jack uh, Jones, who they've now cut. So their two starting cornerbacks aren't playing them. They've cut one of them. Um, Mac Jones wasn't injured. He was just benched. Uh, and I don't know if there's ever been a quarterback play pretty much an entire game and then benched for a two-minute drive. Uh, and it didn't work. This was the, the 50th international game. And uh, what a treat for our German friends, uh, Bailey Zappi with a fake spike interception into triple coverage was really (laughs) how to sum up this game. Uh, The Patriots haven't won a game outside their division still. Uh, They failed to even score a touchdown in at least three of their first 10 games for the first time since 1995. Um, And their only throw over 20 yards was the non-Hail Mary in the first half. Um, Very questionable, weird decision where... Just before halftime, they had one chance to kind of put some points up on the board, go for a Hail Mary, you know, it's the last play of the half. Might, might well do something. Instead, they basically run like a screen to Demario Douglas. Uh, obviously, there's no Colts player about 50 yards because they're covering the end zone. And then he just kind of gets tackled inbounds, and that was it. And everyone's just there, like laughing, like, um, I'm not sure Bill O'Brien kind of understands when halftime is because it, it made absolutely no sense. And like I say, that was this game in a, in a nutshell. It made no sense, and it was, it was really, really poor. It was poor, uh, Dave. I, I I don't want to keep banging on about New England because Indianapolis won this game. They're up to five and five. Mm-hmm. They they're not playing badly. They're they're playing reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Um, Minshew's doing again another steady performance. He didn't do anything horrendous to cost them the game. Didn't do anything particularly spectacular had a few nice plays do you think Minshew is playing well enough that when Richardson comes back there's a full-scale quarterback controversy going on in Indianapolis because we know they want Richardson to be the guy they want him you know the high draft pick investing a lot in this guy 
Uh, he was so exciting when he was on the field, obviously, before he got injured. Mm-hmm. Do you think Minshew has done enough, you know, as I say, just solid, steady play to create a real controversy in Indianapolis at the quarterback position? Well, I don't think this is the last time we're going to talk about exciting quarterback play this week. Um, but what I do think, though, is uh, I think it's all to play for uh, in training camp uh, next, uh, in between the end of the season and start next year. Because I think there's a you've got the kind of more experienced head in Gardner Minshew, and then you've got the major excitement where you just don't know what's going to happen next with Anthony Richardson. So I think it's all to play for. I, I, I think if the Colts go on a little run here uh, and, you know, pick up some wins and put themselves in possible wild card. So it's, it's a long shot, I, th- I think, but put themselves into wild card situation or you know, can they get into the wild cards? They're five and five. Now they're far, far from out of it. Um, so, yeah, I think if Gardner Minshew gets him into the playoffs, I I think he's favourite to be uh, the starter next year. But I, I, I do think it's going to be all to play for, judging on the uh, outcome if they can get to the playoffs and judging if on how they perform in training camp. Because if Richardson can get back to his kind of electric best um, in training camp and maybe learn not to take so many hits and to put himself at so much risk, I think he, they both have an amazing chance. So going to be interesting it's one to watch uh i think at this stage because it's still they're five and five they get to the playoffs i think garner Minshew should leave if he doesn't be told that he if he's not going to be the starter next year he should leave i'll tell you I, i'll bet you that bill belichick could probably really want someone like garden Minshew on his team the, the quarterback play in new england this year has been just upon the past two years absolutely mm-hmm. horrendous quarterback play um as we... ju- so, sorry i was just going to say as well there was something there's something going around online that the patriots 2022 draft class could be the worst in history there's something right now because at the moment they only have well, one of their picks is a is a starter um and the majority have either been cut put on the practice squad or traded so yeah, one, I, I, one standard is the one that everyone laughed at because he was like a fourth round pick Cole and they Strange, picked him in yeah. the first round. Yeah, Cole Strange is the only starter in That's that. I mean, so and how many they've got? They've got well, Marcus Jones is injured. Tyquan Thornton three catches all season. Then obviously uh, Jack Jones has been cut. Pierre Strong traded. Bailey Zappi was cut, then re-signed as the backup. Uh, Kevin Harris practice squad, Andrew Struber practice squad, Sam Roberts is a backup, and Jason Hines is has been cut. What's the point in the draft if you're going to pick all these guys and none of them? I mean, I mean, maybe they should look at sacking the general manager, whoever that is. No idea well, who that we, is. We, we spoke about that last week. Jake mentioned that last <laughs> week. You know, sack him as the general manager. You don't need sack him as the coach. I I still think Belichick's one of. Of course, he's one of the. He's arguably the best coach of all time. Um, mm. He's. One of the best in the league. One of the worst GMs of all time. I think definitely. Him and Mike Mayock going kind of head to head. That's a fight. Matt Millen up there somewhere. Oh, Matt Millen's up there. Um, Right. Uh, We move from awful quarterback play to some fantastic quarterback play at Paycor Stadium. Stupid name, but, you know, it's good football. Um, Where the Houston Texans travel to take on the Cincinnati Bengals in front of 66,526 people. And the Houston Texans come away with a last-minute win, 30-27. to They go to 5-4. The Bengals fall to 5-4. I don't think many 
people gave the Texans uh, much of a shout of winning this despite the heroics of CJ Stroud. Jake, this was your game. Texans, Bengals, take it away. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I gave the Tex- uh, Texans a chance, but I had them losing by three points. I just said it the wrong way around, but been high on them all year. And it's, it's got to that point of the season where the Texans are bringing me more joy than the Saints, which is a very weird position to be in. But uh, no Damien Pierce, no Nico Collins, no problems for the Texans. They put an end to the Bengals' four-game winning streak. They amassed 17 explosive plays, which is the fourth most since 2000. That was mostly through um, Devin Singletree and Noah Brown. Now, the Bengals had a, a great opening drive. They targeted the tight ends often, and they had a lovely 32-yard connection with Trent Irwin, who looks very much like Adam Cole. That's all I see anytime I see him. Um, Andrew will get that reference. I'm not sure how many other people will. Um, but after that, the Bengals punted five times in a row, uh, including four three-and-outs. They only had two rushes on the entire day, Mixon and Burrow. They went 16 of 66. Texans, on the other hand, went 34 of 188, while Devon, uh, Devin Sungletary had 150 yards and a touchdown by himself. Um, one of my main highlights of this game was Kevin Harlan uh, chuckling to himself when revealing Tank Dell got the name Tank as a baby for his big head, and just hearing a commentator laugh at his own joke, and he was proper like chuckling, like it, it, it set him <laughs> off. And that, that, that was a interesting, good way to start the, the second half when your competitor's got a bit of personality. And then that, the game kind of felt over it was 353 left it was 27 17 uh first down all but ends it on third and one instead stroud uh, throws a, a very ugly inception the bengals get it at the four yard line they score the texans then go three and out this is followed by a huge 64 yard catch and run by tyler boyd but he went from hero to zero because he then dropped a wide open touchdown meaning the bengals had to sell for a field goal it was 27 apiece with 93 seconds left. And thanks to, to Noah Brown, or with some help from Noah Brown, who went 7 for 172. In fact, in the last two weeks, he's 13 for 325. Uh, CJ Stroud led the Texans to a, uh, to a well, within field goal range, and they won 30 to 27. Highly entertaining game. Like I say, it looked all but sorted. And then at the end, it got very interesting very quickly. Uh, Dave, CJ Stroud, that's back-to-back weeks. Now. We've, we've been singing his praises for the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. The, the guy's legit. I mean, he, he really yeah. is. Because, you know, the Bengals have been one of the best teams in the NFL over the past three, four weeks. Joe Burrow got healthy, and they have been lighting teams up left, right, and center. They scored 27 points again. As Jake mentioned, uh, Tyler Boyd dropping that sure, sure fire touchdown in the end zone. Well, it just, it's something like he, he caught it and then it dropped it and the bang bounced off his own knee and as he was falling back and you're thinking, oh my word, what have you done? But that's two weeks in a row, CJ Stroud has had to lead a game-winning drive and he's mm-hmm. done it. I mean, what else can we say about this young man? I think that there were earlier times in the game when you know, uh, things could be corrected, uh, maybe a, a couple of mistakes here and there, but, you know, you can put that down to inexperience a little bit uh, of playing in the NFL, which is perfectly understandable. Um, but see what when he got it right, oh boy, did he get it right. Uh, and I, I think take nothing away from player, Noah Brown was fantastic, as was Devin Singletary. But yeah, I mean, he... For CJ Stroud loves throwing to Tank Dell. Loves throwing to Tank Dell. The amount of times he threw to him, uh, I th- I've got no doubt, is fourteen targets in the in the game. 
uh, and he, he, man, he, he only managed to catch six of them, but that's not the point. He loves throwing Tank Dell. But Noah Brown, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. And then on the other side of the ball as well, uh, don't forget three sacks by Sheldon Rankins. So that the, te- the Texans' defense stood up at crucial times as well. But in the entire game, the total yardage between both teams, 924 yards. What an offensive display that was. I mean, if you obviously there's other things to take into consideration, but if you want to take um, the quarterback, the, the amount of um, yards by the quarterback, the amount of uh, rushing yards um, by the running backs, it comes to 957. So they were closing on 1,000 yards. And it's, it's, that, that's just an amazing display of offense. But the Texans narrowly got all over the line. CJ Stroud is probably exactly what the Texans were hoping they would get. Apparently, the, they had if they had the first uh, pick again, they, they would have picked Bryce Young. If they, if they had the choice between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud back in the draft, they were hoping for Young. I'm, I think they're going to be glad that they had the, the second pick now. Absolutely. Now, both teams are 5-4 and four now, so the Texans are the same record as the Cincinnati Bengals. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's all kicking off in the AFC uh, for some of these teams. Uh, so we're going to move on now and we come to M&T Bank Stadium where the Cleveland Browns are visiting the Baltimore Ravens. And I don't have the attendance for this one, unfortunately. Uh, and this game, I was convinced, was over in the third quarter. Convinced. When Odell Beckham Jr. took a 40-yard pass from Lamar Jackson to bring him up 24-9, to but the Browns came back, and this was backwards and forwards right through the end of the fourth quarter, whereas time expired. Dustin Hopkins hit a 40-yard field goal to make it 33-31 to the Cleveland Browns. Dave, this was your game. Cleveland, Baltimore, what did you think? I believe I was the only one that predicted a Cleveland Browns win, and the Cleveland Browns delivered. Uh, so I will gladly take the hype for that. Um, but I think the story of this game is Jerklon Hyde for the first half and the second half for Cleveland, because this. I mean, I'm just, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna uh, display this by Deshaun Watson's stats. Now, Deshaun Watson uh, hurt his shoulder in the first quarter. So what what happened? Uh, first quarter is stats: one of nine for 19 yards and a pick. His second quarter, he was 5 of 11 for 60 yards. So in the first half, he was 6 of 20 for 79 yards and a pick. That's at halftime. Now, that's that's terrible. It's shocking, right? The second half, he went with a... Bear in mind, he's got, he had a damaged shoulder, and after this game, he's got, he's got season-ending surgery. So Deshaun Watson's done for the year after this game. He's, he was 14 of 14 for 134 yards, one touchdown, and one two-point conversion with an injured shoulder. So he did come back in this one. But oh boy, was that that was not the story of the game. Uh, you had everything in this game. Justin Tucker had a blocked field goal. That's not something you see every day. If he was going for a 55-yarder, blocked. Uh, and Lamar Jackson had one of the worst games of his career. Even though the the... They put, they put up 31 points, one of the worst games of his career. Everyone on the Browns was exceptional, except from Deshaun in the first half. Uh, and that defense is just brilliant. Uh, I mean, two picks of, of uh, Lamar, most of them were, well, I say most of them, both of them were Lamar's bad decisions. 
I would say. Uh, he was responsible for them. Uh, Miles Garrett now has 11 sacks on the season, and he joins a very exclusive club of Reggie White, John Randall, DeMarcus Ware, Jared Allen, Bruce Smith, and Lawrence Taylor as the only players to have six consecutive seasons with at least 10 sacks. So that's a very good club uh, to be a part of. Um, and the, the Browns have got a lot of injuries coming from this game. However, this was just amazing. This was an amazing game to watch. To take nothing away from Cleveland. The Ravens tried to lose it. The Browns tried to lose it. The Browns tried to win it. The Ravens tried to win it. It was everything. It was fantastic. Uh, and, I mean, my personal uh, player of the game, I'm, I would give it to um, Kareem Hunt. The stats aren't flattering. 10, 10 carries for 32 yards. Uh, but it could have been 10 carries for minus 10 yards. The amount of uh, power that he showed in the game. Obviously, you could give it to Roquan Smith, who had 21 tackles in the game. He was just everywhere. But Kareem Hunt was the difference uh, for me. And also, Jerome Ford had a, had a great game as well when he finally got the ball. So, yeah, it was a fantastic game. Um, but Deshaun Watson out for the year. Uh, De Denzel Ward uh, injured. They've got their um, safety uh, is out injured. They've got one of their guards is now out injured. I think the Browns could be maybe slightly tilting, but this game, Browns go six and three. Ravens drop to seven and three. So the seventy thousand four hundred twenty-four fans that were at Thank the you, game <laughs> that were at this game were treated to an absolute blast. Well, great game to watch. Um, could just before I throw this over to Jake very quickly, what was that list of? Um, defenders that you mentioned there. Reggie White. Mm -hmm. I'll get it up. So the list is uh, Reggie White. Yeah. John Randall. Yeah. Demarcus Ware. Yeah. Jared Allen. Yeah. Bruce Smith. Yeah. And Lawrence Taylor. And they thought uh, he's, he's the only player. Uh, well, these players are the only ones to have six consecutive seasons with at least 10 sacks. Do you know the funny thing about that? is that two of those players that you mentioned played for the Minnesota Vikings in John Randall John and Randall, yeah. um, Jared Allen. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned that Miles Garrett is leading the league in sacks and he's tied with, 11. Tied with they call him Daniil. <laughs> it's spelled mm -hmm. Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> Daniil Hunter for the Vikings. The Vikings are one of those teams who always have an elite pass rusher. Always. Yes. Chris Dolman was another one. They've always had an elite. It's such a bizarre thing that one team always seems to have this elite pass mm -hmm. rusher. Uh, anyway, or, or that just was, one position, one elite position. It's just, I don't know how they do it. They, if, you know, they just seem to be able to draft excellent pass rushers. Uh, Jake, um, this, this game was a fun game. Um, but the, the Ravens really did throw this one away, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Um, Hopkins mm -hmm. made amends with, uh, he missed a, a PAT, which obviously when it was uh, a one-point game, very costly, but uh, made amends for it. Now, the uh, Browns were down 14 points four separate times. They never led until the clock hit zeros. Um, all three of Raven, uh, the Ravens' losses are just gnarly, and what I'd say to that is great teams find a way to win. Uh, and going into the playoffs and you know deep into the season, they need to figure it out. Um, no team has lost more 10-point leads since the start of last season. So the Ravens, 
like you say, multiple times I was in the group chat being like, oh, Brown's going to Brown. Here we go. The Ravens are just going to come <laughs> to a victory. And then, lo and behold, the Ravens going to Raven. And they found a way to to drop 10 points, 14 points, multiple times. It, it was it was a hard, hard uh, way to lose a game. Like I say, it seems to be their kind of DNA at the moment, the, the Ravens, which is not, not a good DNA to have when you look like a great team, but no kind of lead is safe no that's that's it got to be worrying for them but uh they're still a great team we're still going to see them in the playoffs i'm convinced of that uh so we'll also, need to see oh sorry yeah. dave uh, so i was just going to say can i also say that uh deshaun watson's injury it's a displaced fracture in his right shoulder in his throwing shoulder mm-hmm. and uh from that that happened in the first quarter the doc he went to the doctors after the game and they said that if he got hit in that spot again, he'd lose the use of his shoulder. So surgery was basically the only option. But after that first quarter, uh, I mean, he threw 19 of 25 for 194 yards with that right shoulder. Maybe so, he had a high ankle sprain as well. Yeah. Maybe he should just play injured all the time then because he's been rank rotten until or he gets retired. an injury. So, well, oh, hopefully, yeah. you know, it's a good massage therapist. Oh, so. I'm sure he does, you know. <laughs> I was just I was going to I was going to say in. something else yeah. and I'm not going to, no. uh, but yeah, <laughs> gentlemen, we're going to move on quickly, <laughs> swiftly. Yes, um, yes. The Green Bay Packers travelled to Akershire Stadium to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in front of sixty-seven thousand six hundred and seventeen fans. And if there's one thing we know about Mike Tomlin's Steelers, they know how to win ugly games. This was another ugly game. The Steelers come away with a 23-19 to victory. Um, it was basically the Chris Boswell show for them. Um, he had uh, three field goals, and, and the only scoring in the fourth quarter was a 35-yard field goal by Boswell. Um, but he hit from 42, 49, and 35. Uh, Andros Carlson on the other side hit from 31 and 28 yards. The offenses in this game didn't look great despite the fact that Green Bay's uh, passing they went for um, 21 of 40 289 yards two touchdowns but there was two picks Pittsburgh rushed for over 200 yards in this game and yet it was not an exciting game to watch it really was pretty boring for most of it that Steelers took a 7-0 lead uh, it was tied up 7-7 in the first quarter the Steelers then went up 14-7 with a 16-yard rush by Jalen Warren and with if it wasn't for Anders Carlson kicking field goals uh, to put the Packers up 19-17 uh, with 3-04 to go in the third quarter then this game would never have been in doubt as far as I was concerned but the Packers just totally died in that fourth quarter offensively they did literally nothing. Credit to the Steelers' defense once again. They they just seem to be able to find ways to win. They always seem to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. It certainly uh, doesn't you know doesn't hurt you to have T.J. Watt in your squad. But guys like Keanu Neal, Demonte Casey, um, Elandon Roberts, they all played really well. Keanu Benton as well. I've got two Keanu's in that defense. Just noticed that um, and. Once again, the Steelers, and we've been seeing it all year, they find a way to win, and they're now 6-3. and three. The Packers dropped to 3-6. and six. Jake, I'll put it over to you um, very quickly. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 
They are 6-3 SSE, well in playoff contention as we speak. Their schedule going forward doesn't look too bad. They could legitimately be a 10-11 or 11 win team going uh, into the playoffs. What do you think about that? Yeah, the AFC North was attempting to, to get all four teams into to the playoffs and it was going pretty well. Uh, we'll see what these injuries to the Browns does to them, but that defense is is maybe even better than the Steelers. But the Steelers are 6-3 and three and I don't know how. Uh, they're the <laughs> first team to be outgained in each of their first nine games and still have a winning record. They, they just play possum, basically. They're like, yeah, you can you can have the ball. We're probably going to stop you for a field goal, and we'll eventually just score enough points to somehow win. Uh, and it, it wasn't a great game for uh, the Packers, um, but it was maybe Jordan Love's best game, which is a very low bar. Uh, but he picked up multiple third downs and a big fourth down. I mean, they had a third and seven that went for a touchdown, a third and 16 that went for a touchdown, a fourth and a six, uh, and they made it... Uh, third and seven late, which went for 46 yards, and a third and 10 that went for 37 yards. So if they could just work on first down or second down, they might be, might be you know, an okay team. Uh, but they're kind of in the opposite to see us three and six. And with the Lions and the, the Vikings, they've got no chance of the playoffs, even in the NFC. Um, yeah, that's very true. Now, speaking of the NFC, Dave, we'll, we'll throw it over to you. These, these Green Bay Packers, when do you think they're going to call time on Jordan Love. As, as Jake already mentioned, this was probably his best game. Maybe the week mm-hmm. one game, you, you could argue. Uh, the one against Chicago there, although I, I believe Chicago's defense in that game was just appallingly bad. Do you think if if they don't have a good season, they're three and six, if this mm-hmm. continues, do you think they're going to pull the plug on Jordan Love? Because it's not like, you know, he's not a rookie. I know this is his first season starting. But he's been sitting for three years. This is his fourth year in the league. He should know how this offense is supposed to run. He should be able to read these defenses. Do you think they pulled the a plug on Jordan Love if this doesn't work out at the end of this year? I think they'll be very reluctant to. I, I, I think they would be they would benefit from bringing in a experienced quarterback, um, even to back him up. Uh, I obviously, you know, he's played under Rodgers for years. Well, he's not even played. He's just been under Rodgers for years. But I think maybe a different kind of outlook, a different, um, so a, di- yeah, a different person to learn from, basically, would not be the worst thing in the world for him. Um, I mean, they don't have a backup really to fall back on. I mean, num- no, their number two quarterback is uh, Sean Clifford, who's a rookie himself. Um, so I wouldn't expect them to bench Jordan Love anytime soon. Uh, I, I hope for for Jordan Love's sake, they don't pull up. Patriots on him and just kind of be in and out for the backup, uh, like Mac Jones is for Bailey Zappi. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd say if if they if they don't get more than five wins this year, I think you could see up the Packers drafting a quarterback this year if they see someone that they think mm, that that's that he, he's he would be, he would be an improvement than Jordan Love. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. On on the other hand, uh, maybe they'll go for a quarterback that's maybe getting eased out or. Uh, maybe ha- doesn't have a great season this year. Yeah, it, it's they, they've got a lot of options, but I, something has to change. At the same time, he doesn't have the best offense around him. You know, he, he just the, the Jets have taken most of their wide receivers. <laughs> um, that is the running back game has been patchy because of injuries. Um, the offensive line has been average at best. So, I, he's not been helped. 
but um, yeah, he needs he needs to pull something else out for the rest of the year. Yeah, you could be right there. Um, I I think they need to get something done because if they try and trade him, you know, who, who's going to sort of take a punt on him to sit behind their starter when he's saying, well, you sat behind one of the best of all time for three years. If mm-hmm. that's not enough to get you started, because the reality is he's looked poor. It's not like yeah. he's been he's been okay. He hasn't been okay. He's been poor, hot and cold, mostly cold. Mostly, uh-huh. you know, the majority of it. Uh, but we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to Everbank Stadium, where the San Francisco 49ers were coming off their bye week to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were going to try and shake off a three-game skid in front of 69,271 fans. And I picked the Jaguars to win this one. Because in my pickums, I have a terrible, and I cannot mm-hmm. stress this enough, terrible record. And I didn't disappoint because I was completely wrong again. The San Francisco 49ers absolutely smoked the Jaguars 34-3. to Apologies to Patrick Jackson there, but, you know, maybe I crossed your team. Jake says I crossed his team, and I think I did again. Um, Jake, this was your game. 49ers, Jaguars a healthy San Francisco and we see that they're right back to their old ways. What did you think of it? Yeah, it was a, a three-game loss streak, completely erased and it was business as usual for the 49ers. Uh, they really dominated both lines. Um, so people are saying it wasn't a good Trevor Lawrence game, but besides Christian Kirk, who went 6 for 104 and Foye Aluokon with two sacks, three tackles for loss and nine tackles, it was pretty dire for all of the Jaguars um, they had four plays in a row to Dearness Johnson. Uh, he was very effective, especially on the screen. So naturally, we didn't see much of him again. Uh, I hate when players, die. well, coaches do that. Like say we said it with Sean Payton for the Saints and for the Broncos. You know, oh, this is working. Better stop doing it. Um, last drive in both the halves was all about CMC, as the 49ers made it painfully obvious they wanted to make it 18 straight with a touchdown. Um, but, you know, the Jaguars, even at the end of the game, were just like, yeah, we we know the ball's going to CMC, so we'll just cover him and it'll, we'll stop it. So, sadly, that uh, record stopped at 17. Um, after the half on second and inches, uh, Purdy pump faked and as the pocket just completely collapsed in on him, he unleashed a perfect throw to George Kittle, who quite literally waltzed in. Um, and then rather than take his fifth sack of the game, Trevor Lawrence made the unfortunate decision to throw to Hufanga. And things could have and should have been worse when Ambry Thomas was robbed of returning the fumble he caused for a 70-yard touchdown because the bench and the players decided to enter the field, which meant they got a raise. So a bit of amateur hour there from the 49ers. Not that it seemed to, to matter for them. Uh, and then... The only kind of other notes I've got is that uh, Brennan Ayuk is definitely Mr. Reliable for Purdy, but they had a beautiful uh, play design on the Debo Samuel touchdown. And like you say, being healthy, it certainly showed having Trent Williams back. It made a massive difference. Yeah, Dave, um, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, both back. Purdy at full health again after his concussion. The bye week helped. The 49ers looked fantastic because... Let's not kid ourselves on for a second here. This is not a bad Jaguars defense. This is a good Jaguars defense. And they absolutely cooked them. Um, but let's put it onto the Jaguars, Steve, because uh, I know you don't like talking about the 49ers. <laughs> what did you see in this game? 
because what I saw was Trevor Lawrence running for his life from this pass rush. Yeah. And he really, really, I mean, you can say, you know, he, he, you know, the stats look terrible. 17 to 29 for 185, no touchdowns, two picks, sucked five times. He had a, a 48.8 rating on this one. Um, Jake already mentioned Christian Kirk had decent stats, but at no point were they in this game. They looked so outclassed by this entire 49ers team. Um, is there any kind of worry for the Jaguars, or do you think this is just like when Dallas played San Francisco and they just got completely blown out? Or when, you know, when Miami played Buffalo that day, do you think it was just on mm. this day the 49ers were just much better than the Jaguars? Or do you think there might be just a tiny chink in the armor um, of, of Jacksonville there and they, they might actually have a couple of things to worry about because they've still got a good record? They, they do. I'm, they don't look like a 6-3 and three team. Um, so I, I would say that yes, there are chinks in the armor because this isn't the first time that we've seen some ri- risky play uh, from the Jaguars in general. It's not just you can't. It's not you. You can't pinpoint it to say, for example, Trevor Lawrence. It's not just him. He obviously he had probably the worst game of his career so far. Um, but I, I think the difference was that the Jaguars' offense didn't play like a unit. The Jaguars' defense didn't play like a unit. The Forty Niners, on the other hand were all together on both sides of the ball. So I think that's pretty, it, it was, you know, it's a team game, whereas the Jaguars tried to play like a team of individuals and failed spectacularly. Uh, I, I I think it's obviously the, the 49ers, you know, putting up 34 points. Um, Brock Purdy, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, might have had a pass rating of 148, but again, don't want to talk about it. He, and I, I think... I would make the case that it is extremely unfair that Chase Young has landed in San Francisco because even he got a sack <laughs> in this game as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a case of business as usual. Um, I think the only positive that anyone can take from this game is McCaffrey's record is finally over. Uh, or sorry, from from my point of view, it, that he's, he's finally been tamed a little bit. But uh, yeah, Jake, what what Jake was saying was the only note I had about this game because I, I didn't want to watch it anymore. I think it, so I stopped watching uh, very early in the third quarter when I was uh, watching it back in 40, and I don't regret my decision. So take a lot of that what you will. The Jaguars have a lot of work to do. If, if they want to... Uh, if if they do want to get to the playoffs, they've got work to do. If they want to even win a wild card game, they've got work to do. And plus, considering how competitive the AFC is right now, I I'd, I'd say there's some worries there. So sorry, Patrick, but I think the Jaguars have a lot of work to do to actually have a really successful season. Now, speaking of a couple of teams, have got a lot of work to do. Tennessee Titans travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium in front of sixty-two thousand seven hundred and twenty-five people, and they did nothing. Will Levis, nineteen of thirty-nine for one hundred ninety-nine yards, no touchdowns, one pick. He was battered around all day, sacked four times. Um, they couldn't get anything going on the ground in this one. Derek Henry was 11 rushes for 24 yards as they came crashing down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20 to 6. Um, Dave, this was your game. Mm. It it wasn't a great game from a neutral point of view again. Was this more that Buccaneers defense that we've already spoken about? They had a pretty good defense or is it 
the Titans offense, which again, we have already spoken about, or is this just like a perfect mesh of bad offense meets good defense? Well, I I put it down to two things. Um, It was the Titans offensive line and the very poor uh, play calls from the Titans because um, they didn't, they barely tried to run uh, with Derrick Henry. Uh, Obviously you've said 11 carries, but at the same time, every time they did run the ball, they seemed to script it. You could tell it was going to be a run. You know, there was, there was no kind of very little play action at all. And that offensive line that they, they, you know, they couldn't even get a pocket on their actual uniforms. So they could actually form that. That was just ridiculous. It was so, it was terrible offensive line play. I mean, it makes the Rams offense from last year look, look semi-decent. That's how bad it was. Will Levis, you know, he, he got a pick, which uh, was not really his, his fault. He got hit as uh, he threw, surprise, surprise, not. Um, but as the ball came down after hitting the moon, uh, it was very easily picked off. So uh, that I mean, neither team were great. Um, the 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 game was decided by two basically individual um, efforts um, by Rashad White, a fantastic um, f- fantastic play by him, and also Mike Evans caught the ball I think about the five or six yard line, and with about two or three defenders on him, drove the ball drove forward into that end zone, um, but. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, next time I pick the games, I'm going to make sure I watch them all 41st before I pick the games because I have done myself dirty here by picking this game. Um, but yeah, uh, ba- Baker also had a interception as well. Ba- Baker Mayfield was really either great or shockingly bad. I mean, his interception he threw into triple coverage. Uh, which is not something I would recommend doing for any quarterback to do. It was it was just a terrible, terrible decision. But he, he did also make some really great pl- plays as well. It was just a case of great or terrible uh, for the entire game. But Will Levis, you can see he's got some talent. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's just got no chance to throw the ball. Um, and the I mean, the amount of pressure that was probably put on him in this game by the play calls and by the poor offensive line, Titans just... They, they looked horrific, so I don't know where they go from here. Um, the Bucks were pretty decent. I mean, um, it could have been two or three picks as well, and Levis could have been sacked about ten times. I would have even be surprised because of how bad uh, the offensive line was. So Titans are just, they're done for this year. The Bucks are mediocre and shouldn't win their division, uh, but maybe I'll let Jake have a more professional and more uh a stronger opinion on whether or not they're going to win well i mean the bucks are four and five and that's where they were this time last year so Mm -hmm. you know tom brady system quarterback just saying uh jake (laughs) dave mentioned mike evans uh 143 yards for this guy he's well on course to break a thousand yards for the 10th straight season um i know he plays for your division rival um but you've got to say, I mean, he really is the, the most, probably the most consistent receiver in the entire league. And that touchdown, when he just basically carried three players in, was ridiculous. Um, what do you make of these Buccaneers? Can they get something going? Do you think they've got enough talent on both sides of the ball to actually make a, a proper run at a decent playoff spot? Absolutely. I mean, they've got a, a decent defense, um, a, a good defensive kind of minor coach, um, a really easy schedule because the NFC South has a, a really easy schedule. 
Uh, like I said, Mike Evans in a contract year is having a, another great year. Um, other than two games a season, he's he's superb. Um, obviously, I had the, the high highs of that touchdown and the low lows of dropping a wide open one. I don't know what it is about these reliable wide receivers <laughs> this week, just dropping wide open um, touchdowns. Uh, but Dave's point, really, Tampa blitzed because they could. Once you take away Hopkins, who are you going to throw? You know, who's going to beat you? So all they had to do was worry about Hopkins blitz and, you know, one on one coverage with everyone else, and they're, they're going to win. They had a four game losing streak, um, and all of a sudden they kind of coming off four losses, thinking absolute wasted season to all of a sudden right back in the mix for the, the NFC South um, playoff spot, which I have started a petition to just ban this year. I don't think any of those teams <laughs> should be in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, yeah. Unfortunately, at least one of them will be Jake, uh, and we're staying with yeah. one of the teams. It is you, New Orleans Saints versus the Minnesota Vikings at US Bank Stadium in front of sixty-six thousand nine hundred and thirty-three people. Um, and Joshua Dobbs proved he wasn't a one-hit wonder <laughs> yet again. The Saints, uh, the Saints, just couldn't do anything. It was such, I, I wanted them to because Derek Carr went out, in came James Winston, and he was just hurling bombs down the field. I loved it when James Winston was on, uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough. They fall 19-17 to to the Vikings. Saints are now 5-5, five and five. Vikings are 6-4. and four. Jake, this was your game. Tell us all about it. Yeah, at least this game did get interesting, and this will be a lengthy one, so I apologise. But yeah, um, the Saints... All year have been missionary. They've been boring. Um, at least the game got interesting with, with Jameis Winston. Now, the Vikings were the, the second team with a winning record the Saints have played this year. The Jaguars being the other one. Uh, in both games, they have failed to lead for a single second. Uh, Dennis Allen's win percentage is 169th out of 174 uh, for head coaches with 60 or more games. He is 20 and 43. Uh, Minnesota absolutely own the Poverty Saints. Uh, they are 15 and 4 all time. And my fear last week of Jeffrey Dobbs being a mobile quarterback was completely justified. Uh, he went 23 of 34 through the air uh, for a touchdown and a career high 268 yards. He added 8 for 44 and a touchdown on the ground. Five straight wins for the Vikings, who were 0 3. They've lost their star wide receiver, they lost their franchise quarterback. And it doesn't seem to you know, kind of matter to them. It was 24-3 to three at half, um, being led by the Pashtonaut. Uh, but Carl went down, like you say, with the, the same shoulders earlier in the season. Upsets Jimus Winston, who, like I say, made the game interesting. Uh, according to next-gen stats, his touchdown throw to Alave was the least probable touchdown. Um, but me personally, I'd argue that the next one to A.T. Perry was even more ridiculous. Uh, scrambling, throwing it across his body, launching it literally to the side of the, the the field and had to be wrestled away from being an interception. But it was, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And in through Jameis fashion, he had three more chances to lead the Saints to a, a kind of a tie, level the game, and through two of the ugliest interceptions you'll see. Um, for me, this game all came down to coaching. Brian Flores has his defense cooking and Kevin O'Connell is just a far, far better coach than Dennis Allen. And I wanted to end with a positive. So shout out TJ Hawkinson, who had a tear of his cartilage in his ribs 
and was being hit constantly by the Saints. I think the Saints knew this. It felt like Bounty Gate was back because every time he got a pass, just three players just absolutely annihilating him. Didn't stop him. He became the second tight end since 1978 with 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown in the first half. So, well done, TJ Hawkinson. Well done, Joshua Dobbs. Vikings, five wins in a row. Like I say, they are an easy team to root for, and the Saints continue to be miserable and make me miserable. I'm sorry to hear that, Jake. Uh, but, Dave, I'll throw it over to you quickly. Uh, Jake had a couple of very good points there. TJ Hawkinson, it did look like they were just going for his ribs. It, it really mm-hmm. did. Uh, they were absolutely... On his touchdown catch, I thought he got cut in half. That looked horrendous. Yep. Um, but Jameis Winston. Let's talk about Jameis for a, for a second here, Dave, because they were down 27. 27 to 3 in this game with 5.26 to go in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And it, it looked like this was going to be just a complete washout. Nothing was going to happen. Jameis Winston comes in and just lights it up. And I know he threw those two picks, Jake. I know he did. And it did cost you the game in the end. But they were what I would consider manly interceptions. Do you know what I mean? He was going for it. He was launching it down the field because he had to. He had to do that. And... I get where you come from with the coach as well, Jake, because that that those stats. Did you say he's a hundred and sixty ninth? Uh hundred sixty-ninth out of hundred and seventy-four that fall into the criteria of coaches with sixty or more games. So there are only five coaches in history with a worse record. That's terrible. Dave, do you think they ditched in his at the end of this year? And do you think James Winston will be the starter for the rest of the season, even if Derek Carr comes back from injury? Uh, Winston, I no, I don't think so. Not yet. I think if Carr has one or two more bad games, yes. I, they don't really have a choice. Um, Cat, will Dennis Allen be there? I, at this rate, I don't know if he'll see the end of the season. Uh, the only thing is, though, is who do they bring in to replace? I think that's probably what's going through the backroom's mind right now. Um, before I even say anything, though, I do have a question for Jake, because he is obviously our Saints expert. Taysom Hill. What happened to Taysom Hill? It's just, the, I mean, the only question, because he he touched the ball two, maybe three times at the most in the entire game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, rush the ball one time. We all know the magic number is seven. Rushes the ball seven, Saints win. Doesn't run it, seven, Saints lose. There is no, there's just no plan for the Saints. And you mentioned who would they have as the head coach? Well, they had Doug Peterson in for an interview. Said no, they had an eight-hour interview with Eric Bieniemy and let him walk. I mean, it's just they. There's no plan, and the, the GM seems to be more interested in the Pelicans. Um, the owner, I don't know, seems to be more interested in the area, which I suppose is good. Um, not so interested in the team. Um, it's, we had some great coaches. We let go to the Lions. We let people go to the Lions. It's just a, a mess. And like you say, we've got a, a winning thing. And the last couple of weeks, it's been positive with Taysom Hill and then completely go away from it this game. And I, I absolutely agree with you, Ross. I turned this game off. At, at 27 to 3, I turned this game off. I went to Red Zone. I thought, I'm not watching any more of this. And then Jameis Winston came in. I went, oh. I'm turning this back on. And <laughs> I enjoyed it. Like the Saints lost, but at least I enjoyed the second half. You know, it got interesting. We had a chance and it was exciting rather than just mundane. 
Yeah, because yeah. when we've all we've all been there, guys. We've all seen our teams play badly. They're getting blown up by twenty points, and the offense comes out and it's run, run, check down. And you think, you know, yeah. you're losing by three touchdowns. Why are you not going for it? You know James is going to go for it. You know he's got the ability to do it. It just it didn't didn't fall his way this time. I I would rather see Winston in. I'd rather see Winston in. And to sort of answer my own question about Dennis Allen, <clears throat> unfortunately, Jake, I think your team's still going to win this division, and he'll still have a job because they win the You're division. Keep him in the job. Yeah, that's and that's a bad thing. That that could be a bad thing. They might this NFC South, Jake. You're right. They are this across the board is bad. It's just there's no good teams in this division. Uh, apologies for your Saints there, but you know they, they could win this division with eight wins. And that's and so you know if they got a division title, playoff spot, are they going to ditch the coach? They should. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they will. I, I think even if we got to the playoffs, even if we won a playoff game, I think the public perception and the fallout is going to. It's already ridiculous. To, to, but I've never seen Saints Twitter so unified. Even when we win games, it's like that was not enjoyable. Genuinely, James Winston was the the happiest I've seen the Saints Twitter mm-hmm. this year, yeah, and he's yeah. through two terrible interceptions. <laughs> but at least we all were like, well, this is different. You know, this is some you know a bit more fun. Well, I, I had two. I had two other takeaways from this game. Is that um, the division in general reminds me of the year that I think the Eagles uh, got to the the uh, playoffs with like a six and ten record. We've been here before. It was the Commanders. Yeah, it was Commanders. It was commanders. Yeah, but, did it? but this, I'm getting shades of it again. I mean, last year it was still bad. You know, it, it, the the division hasn't been good for a couple of years. But there was other one. Well, there was one other stat that I saw that was kind of mind-boggling. That the Vikings started the year one, uh, through the first five games. They're one and they were one and four. Then Justin Jefferson went down. Since then, they are on a five-game win streak without Justin Jefferson. It's just mind-boggling. And uh, one of those games. Do you remember who it was against? Who they beat and. I, it was 49ers. I'm sure it was the 49ers. Jake, did I make that? I didn't make that up, did I? Pretty sure they were one of the, the three games the 49ers. Yeah, yeah the 17 wasn't it? Yeah, and that, I mean, that's without Justin Jefferson. So, um, yeah, the Vikings, I, there are a lot of positives for them. I'm not, I don't think um, their division is over by any stretch of the imagination. But the Saints, I mean, they've got one of the most kind of unique players in the league in Taysom Hill. Who can throw it, like, like maybe average on throw, but he, the options there, he can run it really well, he can catch the ball, and he barely was just non existent. That's why I was asking Jake about that. Yeah. What, 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 what was that? What was the plan there? Because there just wasn't a plan. And I, I yeah, I, I completely echo both your uh, opinions that it, the Saints are most likely going to win the division, and it. I mean, Dennis Allen should still lose his job. There, there's just no ifs or buts. He's, he's just been terrible. I don't know how many times we see teams with a player or players who are dynamic, who you know do something every time they touch the ball, and then they don't use them. We, we spoke about this with Atlanta, with Cordell Patterson, you know, getting one touch a game, two touches a game. You think, what on earth are you doing? Um, and then when you've got Taysom Hill, and as Jake pointed out with that stat, 
if you give it to him seven times, you win all the time. I am giving it to him seven times on the first seven plays. Do you know what I mean? I'm like? Mm-hmm. I, I I firmly believe in this in this one. I, it's just it makes no sense that you would get away from something that works, and your teams do it all the time, and it drives me up the wall. Um, now you mentioned the Vikings winning streak five games is the longest winning streak in the entire NFL. Um, and you also mentioned, Dave, that the NFC North is not over yet. But our next no. team might have something to say about that. The Detroit Lions travel to take on the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium in front of 70,240 fans in what was definitely one of the games of the week, if not the game of the week. Um, the Lions came away with a 41-38 to win. Riley Patterson kicked a 41-yard field goal as time expired. This game was backwards and forwards. First quarter scoring opened with a partisan field goal and then uh, Cameron Dicker uh, replied with a 48-yard field goal in the first quarter. And then Jameer Gibbs had two one-yard rushing touchdowns to put the Lions up 17-3. And I thought at this point uh, that Lions might run away with this one. But then... Keenan Allen takes a touchdown pass from Justin Herbert, 17-10. Montgomery breaks a 75-yard run, 24-10. I'm like, oh, that's it, over. Lions are going to win. And then Austin Eckler comes back with a touchdown because that's all he does. Um, and then it was Jalen Guyton with a pass from Justin Herbert. Amon Rassin Brown came back with a 20-yard pass from Jared Goff. Quentin Johnston caught a pass from Justin Herbert before Brock Wright caught a pass from Jared Goff. This was backwards and forwards in the fourth quarter. And then Keenan Allen, again, the 38-yard touchdown pass to make it 38-30 to 3-34 to go this game was fantastic the lions had 533 yards of offense the the chat i nearly said the rams dave the chargers nearly nearly the los the los angeles um chargers had los angeles chargers to san diego chargers <laughs> and st louis rams 121 so there's another 954 yard game uh, this was backwards and forwards all day long. Justin Herbert, uh, 27 of 40, 323 yards, four touchdowns. He did have one interception, but a rating of 114.9. And Jared Goff, 23-33 for 333 yards, two picks, no interceptions. There wasn't a single sack in this game. Keenan Allen, 11 receptions, 175 yards, two touchdowns. It was just offense, offense, offense. Defences were nowhere to be seen, but the Lions come away victorious. They go, the Detroit Lions, to 7-2. and two. Chargers fall to 4-5. and five. This opens up a whole new thing because the Lions have the second best record in the entire NFL, just behind the um, Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC. The Chargers, now at 4-5, and five, are in like a seven-way tie in the AFC, fighting for a wildcard spot. Uh, Dave, I'll put it to you first. This was a great game. Lions, Chargers, what did you think? Well, when you were saying about uh, that you thought the game was over, so did Jake when he started trolling me for picking the Chargers. That, that, that was a nice message to receive. <laughs> um, so the, 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 thank you very much for that, Jake. Uh, yeah, I was in that right mind. Who picks against the Lions? You and McPhail was raging with you, Dave. Oh, the Lions on my second team immediately picks against them. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's what happened. Right, yes. I, I mean, 
Uh, I I just I thought because the Lions had a few injuries, Chargers were going to do well in this. Um, but I I tell you what, the the seventy thousand in the in the stadium were treated to an absolute like a, a, a gunslinger, a gun a gunslinger classic basically. Uh, and obviously both quarterbacks getting over three hundred yards treated them to a show. Um, I mean we're, we're running out of uh, descriptions for Dan Campbell team Dan Dan Campbell's offense. Um, but yeah, this, this was just brilliant. You, you know, you had, what was it? 82, uh, 79 points, sorry, uh, in the game. And it came down to just three points. But I think one of the main, uh, things that I took, the only difference between the two teams was rushing the ball because David Montgomery had a massive day. Obviously a 75 yarder was pretty key. Uh, Jameer Gibbs also had a 35 yard run. So there's 110 yards right there, which eclipses, the Chargers in the whole game, so I think the the when they did run the ball as well, the Lions were very very successful. So they managed to change it up a lot. Uh, Jameer Gibbs got fourteen carries, David Montgomery twelve. And between the two of them, they rushed for one hundred and ninety yards. So that's pretty good. Uh, and obviously, they got three touchdowns as well. I mean, both teams looked good. Keenan Allen looked brilliant. Amon Rassi and Brown looked brilliant. I, I, I it was a shame that one team had to lose. Obviously, I for my, I was kind of torn who was due to support because I predicted the Chargers, and that would have been good for my pickums. But I love the Lions, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, it was just a brilliant game. We, every so often, we get a treat of a game, and this was this week's one. Uh, Jake, what did you make of it? It was so much fun to watch this game. Oh, it was a fantastic game, but uh, it was an interesting one because the Chargers' last five drives were all touchdowns. Uh, they're the first team ever to score a touchdown in all of their drives in the last 40 minutes and not win. Uh, Brandon Staley, being a defensive-minded head coach, they didn't even manage to record a sack. And then the one thing we say we, we struggled to have that superlatives, I suppose, to talk about Dan Campbell's team and what to call them, but there was one play beside of the game, fourth and two at the Chargers Oh, I don't even know what how close it was, but it was a 26-yard field goal. Um, but as I've just mentioned there, five touchdowns in a row. Your defense had stopped nothing all day. Um, so rather than giving Herbert a chance to win the game, one minute 47 left, the Chargers had a timeout. They throw it. Uh, Samuel Porter comes up with the, the clutch catch. They then kneel it three times and hit the walk-off touchdown. That's, that's winning football because if you kick the field goal there, likelihood is Justin Herbert was going to go up the field. They were going to score. They were going to win. So, hey, put your offense, your offense had led you to this point. Your defense kind of had an off game and was getting run all over the pitch. So I, I love that kind of decision. And not a lot of head coaches would make that decision because if it goes wrong, you look like an absolute idiot. But when it goes right, and it was the, the smart thing to do, then it pays off and you, you get a win in a game that was just could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, now, I mentioned Keenan Allen. That, that guy is something else he's an incredible wide receiver but once again Justin Herbert was making throws <laughs> I'm going oh my word what a throw from Justin Herbert didn't come out with a win but the talent the arm strength that this guy has is just absolutely unbelievable and I've not seen anything like it for years years um we are going to move on though gentlemen 
we are going to move on to uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals at State Farm Stadium in front of 62,861 fans who watch the Arizona Cardinals with Matt Prater kick a 23-yard field goal as time expired. This became a theme this week of walk-off field goals to uh, win games. And this time it was Matt Prater, who must be about 60 years old by now. Um, and once again, like the last game, he opened the scoring with a 51-yard field goal. Um, this game was not as exciting as the the Detroit-Los Angeles game. Well, actually, that's, that's not true. Um, it wasn't as offensively minded. It wasn't just backwards and forwards touchdowns, but it was every bit as exciting. Um, it was backwards and forwards. The Cardinals, to say, went up 3 nothing, and then the Falcons came back with a, a touchdown pass to Scott Miller from Taylor Heineke, 7-3, 7-6, uh, when Matt Peter kicked a 46-yard field goal, but then Bijan Robinson, who we saw for the first time in a long time, it felt like, um, scored in a five-yard touchdown rush, 14-6, Kyler Murray rushed in for six yards but they attempted two-point conversion didn't work it was 14-12 and then it was field goal field goal before Clayton Toon had a one-yard uh, rush Matt Prater had a kick and then Desmond Ridder with a nine-yard rush to make it 23-22 because the two-point conversion failed and as I said earlier Matt Prater then um, with time expired kicked the 23-yard field goal to win this game was pretty fun to watch but we had Taylor Heineke in, as I said, and then Desmond Ritter came in. Heineke was 8 of 15, 55 yards on a touchdown, sacked three times. Desmond Ritter, 4 of 6, 39 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no picks. Kyler Murray, in his first game back for the cards since last, I forget when it was last year, uh, 19 December, of 30, I think. De- December last year. Uh, I think it was, yeah. 19 of 32, 249 yards. No touchdowns, did throw a pick, but as I say, he did have that rushing touchdown. He looked mobile again, Kyler Murray. He looked pretty good. Um, They get the win. Jake, I'll put it over to you. Arizona, Atlanta. Um, It was a fun game. I wasn't sure if you were carrying on. It was, it was, so, a, it was so, a fun sorry. game. Sorry. <laughs> it was a fun game. Um, what did you think of it? <laughs> well, you mentioned Kyle being mobile. Well, the final drive, he had a 13-yard gain, uh, but he travelled 68.9 yards on it mm-hmm. uh, and hit a speed faster than any he managed in, last year before the injury. Um, so I think it was uh, great to see him back, great to see him mobile and able to run. Like I say there wasn't a, uh, a touchdown, but he certainly didn't have problems throwing the ball. Uh, and then for the Falcons, it seems to be the same kind of story. They can only ever get one part of their offense working. So like I say, Bijan had a better game, but from the quarterback play, it was, was terrible. And with Haneke going down injured and being on the bye week, I think all signs point towards getting um, Desmond Ritter back after the bye week. I mean, they were getting... One one and a half yards per drop back, uh, less than four yards per attempt. It was it was pretty poor. Um, Trey McBride has stepped up massively since Sackerts has gone down. He went eight for one hundred thirty-one. Like you say, Matt Prater still getting it done. Fifty-six, fifty-one, forty-six in the game, winning twenty-three yarder. I mean, it was an interesting game. Uh, certainly more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. But maybe that's because I'm biased and I like the result. Of course it's because you're biased, but we have no issues with you being biased. We're all super biased in this podcast. If you want impartial stuff, go and watch, I don't know, something else. Go and watch NFL Total Access. We want impartial 
American football news. Dave, what did you think of this one? Did you watch it? I watched it in 40. Um, Stones and glass houses with the old uh, Matt Prater comment, but uh, we'll, we'll skip over that with 39-year-old Matt Prater. <laughs> Just, uh, I'm well, only 28. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I someone's had, someone's had a birthday recently. So yeah, that, that's that's the, a, I'm not a kicker in the NFL, though. It just feels well, like he's been around for years. Well, he has old, been around I for mean, years. He, he has, but he also kicked, uh, what, maybe a month ago, five, six weeks ago, he kicked a 62-yarder against Dallas. I so didn't I say he couldn't play. Plenty. I just said. Oh, he's got plenty that, left oh in the tank. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm getting absolutely. shots fired. You've Good read, Lord. read this wrong. Read uh, the wrong, Dave. Read oh, the wrong. Oh, right, okay. I, yeah, this this has turned quite nasty. But uh, Yeah, Kyler's back, I think, is the main the main topic from this one. Kyler's back, and Atlanta's uh, quarterback... Uh, problems what well, is a nice word <laughs> to pick there it just continue uh, i think the only positive that alan can take from this is that Bijan robinson did uh, feature a lot in this game and 22 carries 95 yards in a td which was pr- pretty much what you'd expect him to get so that was a positive um i, d- I did i did see a meme that's cir- circulating online that uh, Arthur Smith is now uh, preparing to utilize Bijan Robinson as a new long snapper um, because he still can't find the right role for him within his team. <laughs> so he's going to try him at long snapper instead. Uh, so that I, I got a little chuckle at that. But yeah, um, Taylor Heineke, it's a hamstring problem that he's got. Uh, so he, you know, uh, we, we can say that that needs time to heal. So it, it's almost certainly going to be Desmond Ritter uh, going forward. Um, yeah, Drake London, Cal Pitts were the, were the kind of most targeted players. So they're aiming for the right people. Um, they're not really getting much much done uh, because they they both had three receptions each. Um, Kyler seems a bit. He's picked uh, Trey McBride and Rondell Moore as his preferred targets. Uh, Hollywood Brown I think caught one pass the entire game, so that that wasn't ideal. Look, they, they both neither of these teams are good to watch. Uh, it was it was kind of a, it was a scrappy game that could have gone either way, but yeah, Arizona and Calamari was the difference in this game. So I think uh, considering that they in in his eleven month absence they went through five quarterbacks, and I think they had it was like record of about one in twelve, one in thirteen in that time period. So I think they'll be very glad to have Calamari back, and um, yeah, I think they just need a bit more supporting cast for him but uh arthur smith needs to get the mustache back because i think that was pretty much the only positive that the falcons had going into this season and now he's got rid of it and yeah it's going to be an awful season for the falcons but for some unknown reason they're still in contention for the division title that's not an unknown reason. The reason is because nobody wants to win the yeah. yeah, it's an unfathomable reason. Yeah, it just there's no logic to it whatsoever. But uh, no one wants yeah. to be facing the Vikings more than likely in the, the wild card. Yeah, very, very. Or true. the Cowboys. Or the Cowboys. Or the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. And speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, we're going to Jerry World, where the New York Giants travel to take on the aforementioned Cowboys in front of ninety-three thousand three hundred thirty-eight fans. Now, last week, gentlemen, I predicted this game would be fifty-six to ten, and it could have been. But they pulled Dak Prescott in the fourth quarter. It was 49-10 to 10 with six seconds to go in the game before Sterling Sharp got a two-yard touchdown pass from Tommy DeVito to make it 49-17. And that scored really, really 
flattered the New York Giants. Really did. They didn't have a chance in this game. Jake McGee, Cowboys, Giants, it's all yours. I think this was a, a gruesome game to get through because uh, it was just a beat down. I mean, 89 to 17 this year against the Giants. Uh, also, 12 wins at Jerry's World in a row. So that's a good home field advantage for the boys. Um, in this game, they fell 12 yards short of the franchise record with 640 yards, which compared to the Giants, 172 is a, a astronomical difference. They had 8.3 yards per play, led by Dak, who was 26-35, 404 yards, four touchdowns. He ran twice for 17 on a touchdown. He didn't play the last quarter, like you mentioned, but since the bye, he is 80 for 110 for 1,082 yards, 11 touchdowns to two interceptions. I saw people talking about CJ Stroud being in MVP conversation all of a sudden. It's still way too early for MVP conversation. But Dak Prescott is on the form of his life. And yes, it was the Giants, so you can't take an awful lot away. Um, but at the same time, that takes a lot of a lot of heat. And the last three games, he's put maybe three of the best games of his career, you know, back to back to back. So I thought I'd give that to him. Uh, the Giants were 0-12 on third down. They did convert two of three fourth downs, but you shouldn't really need to. <laughs> but the offense could get nothing doing. Uh, Dallas ran 77 plays and had 32 first downs. Uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, 11 for 151 and a touchdown, and then ran for 14 and a touchdown. He became the only player in NFL history with at least 10 catches, 150 receiving yards in three straight games. So I mentioned Dak is on good form. Well, it's because he's finding his favorite target and, and their best target by by long shots, uh, except maybe Jake Ferguson, great name. Uh, but yeah, back CD, Cowboys at home, all things are kind of pointing up for the, for the boys. They are indeed, and all things pointing down for the Giants. Um, yeah. They're, they're just, they're awful. It's an awful team. And I, I as I said last week, you know, I've got friends who are Giant fans, and I don't want them to think that I'm picking on their team but this team, Dave, is just appalling to watch, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it was really painful. And it was made even more painful right at the end of the game because I I thought the Giants were going to get 45-10. Uh, it was going to be 45 points to 10. Um, and I was all excited. I was going, it was going to be 45-10. Then I realized the Cowboys had 49. And then the Giants scored to ruin the 10 as well. So that, that was pretty much oh, my only that. focus. <laughs> that was the only Other focus I had in this game. Yeah, yeah but I, I mean, the wide receivers, obviously C.D. Lamb uh, and Brandon Cooks. You know, but in the game when uh, Dak threw to them, he had 20 receptions for 324 yards and two touchdowns. That's incredible. Obviously, it was the Giants, but my word, they look terrible. T- Tommy DeVito needs to stop playing. Um, he, he was he threw for eighty six yards, uh, fourteen to twenty seven. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's just there's just nothing good that came of this game for the Giants, and it it was. The penalties for the Cowboys was the only reason that the Giants got seventeen points in this game. That scoreline flatters. This horrific game that it was, um, and you know we were talking about the spread. It it went off at seventeen and a half points, uh, and the Cowboys had a thirty-two point margin. But the the Cowboys, one thing to maybe to watch going forward, they need to work on is they had nine penalties in the game. Um, that's 
they gave up 83 yards for. So that's something to maybe keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, the the only positive for the Giants was that they only they, they only commit two penalties. So well, the it's Cowboys- not the only positive. They've, they've got a 38.4% chance of getting a number one draft pick and they're almost guaranteed a top two draft pick. So Damn. positives. Positives. The Cowboys gave up nearly as many penalty yards as the Giants had passing. That's, that's bad. Yeah. That's bad yeah, for the Giants. Well, <laughs> bad for the Cowboys, yeah, worse for the Giants. Yeah, it was a three-yard differential. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come ridiculous. on. I would have got offside the last play just just because. I <laughs> <laughs> just... Oh, oops, full started. <laughs> You're a terrible man, Jake. Um, we then come to the Washington Commandos at Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field in front of 68,721 fans who watched as time expired... See, told you it was a theme. Jason Myers kick a 43-yard field goal to give the Seahawks a 29-26 victory. Uh, Dave, this was your game. Commanders, Seahawks, what did you think? It was a back-and-forth game. Uh, It was an exciting game at times, and then it had a lull. Then it got back to exciting again, and Sam Hull is a very good quarterback. I, I think he's very good, especially when he's throwing not to his wide receivers, when he's throwing to his running backs. Uh, I think he just makes the correct decision every time he does a check down. Uh, because in this game, uh, when throwing to a running back, he was 12 of 13 for 164 yards and two touchdowns. So that's that's pretty good in, in, in the game. But um, yeah, I mean, throughout the game, he's 29 of 44, another 300 yards uh, game, he had three touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked three times, but I, I think that's just the offensive line. We've already discussed that. We we know how many sacks he's going to take this year. Um, they didn't run the ball much. That that's a, they, they put a lot of pressure on Sam Howe. I think they could have benefited more from running the ball. Geno Smith looked not great in the first half and then kind of came out in the second half with a bit of a chip in his shoulder, and that was the difference between the two sides. Um, 369 yards he threw for in the game, two touchdowns, uh, but take nothing away from uh, DK had a great game, which is about time we had something positive to say about DK Metcalf because um, he hasn't had many great games this year. I think we've spoken more about his um, bad decisions and his penalties this year than how he's actually played the game. Uh, Tyler Lockett, fantastic game again. However, he was... um, he was on the end of a helmet-to-helmet hit from Emmanuel Forbes, who was the first-round pick for for Washington this year. Um, so he was ejected because of that helmet-to-helmet, and that was in the first quarter. Uh, not an ideal start to the game. Um, there was also a doink as well. We always love a doink. I think there was a couple this week, actually. Um, but Kenneth Walker's fantastic uh, touchdown. Um, he, he caught... One one catch in the game for sixty four yards, and it was a fan. He broke one tackle, and just the speed of Kenneth Walker was just incredible. Um, he was able to run the ball. He could have been kind of nineteen carries for nineteen yards. Again, the yards after contact was fantastic. Um, they've also got an, another good running back, which I think when we were talking about earlier, teams always have one position that they seem to have uh, really good players or really good options. I think with Seattle, it seems to be the running back. Last year, it was like next man up, and they were still performing. Um, got Zach Charbonnet. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It was six catches for 44 yards, made some great cuts. 
Uh, if I take a breath there, that'll be good. But uh, yeah, Brian Rob- Robinson was kind of co- the commander's best player aside, well, him and Sam Sam Hull. Um, I knew come Sam Paul there. That was a, that was a weird, weird kind of slip of the tongue there. Um, Bobby Wagner was uh, featured, but a few there was a few other takeaways from the game. Uh, Boy Maffey has set a franchise record for Seattle. It's a seventh straight game with a sack. So another another edge rusher, seventh game, straight game with a sack, and um, that's a franchise record for him. So that can go on his, uh, or you can tell that one to the grandkids, I suppose, in the future. Um, there was one downside to Sam Hull uh, in this game is that he there was a planned quarterback draw, uh, which he got the first down. He kept trying to drive, wouldn't go down, and in the end he got strips, uh, got stripped of the ball, and that caused a turnover at a crucial time. So these little things were probably the difference in the game. Uh, also, another uh, record as well, career high of 369 yards for Geno Smith. So... Make of that what you will. He was not great in the first half. Fantastic second half. Um, but at the end of the game, Washington scored with 52 seconds left. A lot of time in the pocket for Sam Hill before delivering what I can only describe as the perfect throw where only his man could get it. Uh, uh, I think um, Diami De- Brown, I think is how you pronounce his first name. Very uh, challenging there for us. But Seattle had a chance and he would have a walk-off field goal after DK got a big catch and then drove it down with about two or three defenders on him uh, to get it into better field goal position, and they nailed it. So um, I was right with a walk-off score in my prediction last week. Unfortunately, it was a walk-off field goal, not walk-off touchdown. So Seattle very sadly top the division, and we've got two teams in the Rams division that are now kind of driving away from the LA Rams. So Seattle march on. Washington have a very good, um, they've got a good foundation there for for maybe towards the end of the season, next season, but uh, they need to protect Sam Hull at all costs. They do indeed. He's still taking way too many sacks. But the Seahawks move up, yeah. Seahawks move up to six and three. Commanders at four and six. Um, Jake, do you think this was the real Seahawks? Gino back again because he looked like he was in a real slump from what he did last year. He looked much better in 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 this game. What do you think, Jake? Do you think Gino's back, or do you think this was the aberration? No, I think last week was the the aberration, getting humbled by by Baltimore. I think this was more business as usual, kind of similar to the Forty ers They got back on track. I think the defense is better than it it showed um, last week. Um, Gino, we know kind of what to expect from him. Um, just to kind of manage the game, not throw the game away. And he did that. And for this game, the only kind of points I had was that all the points seemed to come in the last five drives. And then I had that boy, Mafe, um start as well, because I think, was he drafted last year? or the, he's, he's not been in the league too long. So to be yeah. putting up um, numbers like that already is very promising. So I think both these teams um, are more promising going forward. Um, I think for the Commanders, it's just kind of a formality this year. They've traded away some players. Um, they'll get rid of Ron Rivera and they will hire or promote Eric Bieniemy, something the Saints should have done. Uh, and that will be promising going forward. And I don't think many people had Brian Robinson Jr. being the best B. Robinson this year, but he, he certainly has just been consistent all year in terms of getting, getting his numbers. Um, now, going from promising to downright shoddy, the New York Jets travel to Allegiant Stadium to take on the Las Vegas Raiders and the 62,383 poor souls who attended this game <laughs> witnessed this. 
First quarter, Greg Zerline, 47-yard field goal. Daniel Carlson, 41-yard field goal. Greg Zerline, 53-yard field goal. Second quarter, Greg Zerline, 30-yard field goal. Daniel Carlson, 54-yard field goal. Third quarter, Daniel Carlson, 40-yard field goal. Fourth quarter, Michael Mayer, 7-yard pass from Aidan O'Connell. What? Touchdown. A touchdown. A touchdown. And then Greg Zorline, 45-yard field goal. 16 to 12. Easy day for Greg the leg. <laughs> was 16 to 12. Raiders over the Jets. Dave, this was your game. That's all I've got for you. What have you got? Not got much more than that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to give myself a, a a kind of wobble of the head when I realize when I remember to uh, assign the games because I assigned this to myself and the, I mean it was just a field goal fest. Um, a few takeaways from the game basically. There's just not a whole lot to say about it. Zach Wilson. Very good on his feet, but he's trying to be a pocket quarterback. Uh, in this, I think it, it's probably more Nathaniel Hackett trying to make him a. a pocket quarterback because that's what he, that's how he wants his quarterback to be imagine uh, Nathaniel Hackett ruining a quarterback the problem. creating a <laughs> imagine, the problem can you imagine that sorry Dave carry on no I, I mean last year uh, he had Russell Wilson as his quarterback and he tried to make him a pocket quarterback and limit things this year he's got Zach Wilson uh, as his pocket quarterback and well we know how that's probably going to end um but when Zach Wilson did did sort of break out of the pocket, he was four carries for 54 yards. So Zach Wilson using his legs, which is probably his, his biggest asset because it's definitely not his throwing. Uh, it's, he, he, was, he had success, and that's pretty much the only success that the New York offense had. Garrett Wilson had a couple really good catches, uh, one with Tyler Conklin as well. But they had to be really good catches because Zach Wilson can barely throw the ball very well. Um. Yeah, it was just a poor game. It was two backup quarterbacks playing against each other. Uh, it was pretty much the story of the offense. Um, I did pick up some, something that the Raiders were constantly doing, and that is on defense. They were they were not over, not over blitzing Zach Wilson very much, and every uh, their coverage by the cornerbacks was always soft. They were getting a t- kind of 10 yard gap so much and the Jets they just didn't know Wilson maybe threw once twice to someone that was you know a quick throw kind of thing um, but that's about as good as it got for uh, the Jets because uh, they just couldn't take advantage of it Dalvin Cook touched the ball four times in the game for 26 yards uh, Jacoby Myers on the other side of the ball for the Raiders was targeted only twice in the entire game because Devontae Adams was up against Sauce Gardner Again, we talk about Sauce Gardner's um, basically past interference or illegal contact or holding. He was doing it constantly over the game, and uh, Devontae Adams was getting really fed up with his antics um, in the second half. Yeah, I think the only other thing as well was that uh, Josh Jacobs had two fumbles in the second half. So that's not something you see every day, but he had one one big run that was fantastic. And he fumbled it at the end of the run for a 40 yard run, about to go into the end zone and fumbled it out of bound. And those not fumbles big. were the most exciting thing that happened this entire game. Really Pretty was. much. Um, yeah, but that that was it. Jake did the most exciting fumble this week. What, what was that, Jake? Uh, yeah. I said it wasn't even the most exciting fumble this week. We'll get no, onto that. We'll but, get onto uh, that. <laughs> 
the they're two and zero under Pace. They're two and zero versus New Jersey teams. They're four and one at home. And yeah, Zach Wilson being your top rusher, not a great look. Brees Hall, Dave's what was it, offensive player of the year, going two point two average, uh, thirteen for twenty eight. Not not ideal. And Darwin Cook went four of twenty six, but he's kind of being phased out or forgotten about in in, in New Jersey. So not not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination. Not at all. Mm. Now, gentlemen, mm. we come to Monday night. Fuck it up. <laughs> now, Monday, um, Monday was my birthday. Mm. And um, I had a, a, a wonderful day. I had a wonderful weekend, actually. We sort of celebrated over the weekend. My, my lovely wife organized a few things for me, so that was nice. Uh, but the Broncos were playing Monday night. And I was just saying to myself, you know, if I could get one thing as a birthday present, it would be a Broncos win on Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills. Now, last week, when I suggested the Broncos might win this game, I was mocked again. It's two weeks in a row now, you gentlemen have both laughed at me for selecting my Broncos. Did it against the Chiefs? Did it against the Bills? And I'm going what to be honest. What, what was that, sorry? I, I had you guys covering. That was about as nice as you I was did. You did. I'm picking the Broncos. I was like, hey, to cover. Thank you very much, Jake. <laughs> so, this game. I'm not going to lie to you. Early on, I thought we had it won. And then late on, I thought we had it lost. And then I thought we definitely had it lost. But then we won. Because the Broncos came away with a 24 22 win over the Bills. At Highmark Stadium in front of 70,318 fans. And this game nearly gave me palpitations. It was... It was amazing. It was horrendous. It was brutal. It was delightful. Everything about this game was great. Well, let's open the scoring with that 40-yard field goal. 3-0 Denver. Cortland Sutton then made... The most inc- just ridiculous catch in the back of the end zone from a ridiculous throw from Russell Wilson. I thought he was throwing it away. He was scrambling around and he threw it. And I was like, well, that's a way at the back of the end zone. And I don't know how that ball just sort of dropped in the last second there into the arms of Corton Sutton. And I was convinced he was out of bounds, but he wasn't. You talk about, uh, what do they call it on NFL Network? Toe drag swag. My goodness, Corton Sutton's toes were in by a quarter of an inch, if that. Um, to put the Broncos up nine to nothing, and then Will Lutz misses the extra point. Doink. So it's nine nothing. Dalton Kincaid catches a 22 yards pass. He was wide open from Josh Allen. And then um, Denver commits a penalty on the extra point attempt. So Buffalo goes for two. And Gabriel Davis takes a pass from Josh Allen to make it 9-8 to Denver. Will Lutz then kicks a 49-yard field goal with 45 seconds to go in the half. And then as time expires in the half, Will Lutz kicks a 40-yard field goal. And you might say, well, how did that happen? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you. The Denver Broncos caused four turnovers in this game. Well, actually, they caused three. Uh, One of them, Josh Allen, just dropped the ball as he was handing it off. I don't even know what happened. But he had two interceptions. Um, There was two fumble recoveries. They turned the Bills over on downs as well in this game. Um, And they ran what they call a a, a fire drill um, kick because the Broncos had no timeouts. 
they got into field goal range. Um, it was it was fourth down, so they couldn't spike the ball. So they had a run Will Lutz on with 10 seconds to go in the half, and he drills the field goal, and the Broncos are up. The Broncos are winning 15-8 at halftime. And I'm like, this is great. I'm loving this. And then Latavius Murray in the third quarter scores a three-yard uh, three-yard touchdown rush. Tyler Bass kicks it to 15-15. Javonte Williams then catches a three-yard touchdown pass from Russell Wilson. But Riley Dixon, the holder, fumbles the snap. So the Broncos miss another extra point. They didn't even get a chance to, to kick the extra point on that one. It's now 21-15. 5.06 to go in the game. Bills get the ball back. And when the Broncos missed that extra point or, or attempt, I was like, oh, I know what's coming now. The Buffalo Bills are going to take this ball. They're going to drive down the field and they're going to score a touchdown. And what happened? The Buffalo Bills got the ball, drove down the field and scored a touchdown on a six-yard run by Josh Allen. And in that drive was the best fumble of the week, Jake. You're absolutely right. It was, I I don't remember ever having seen this before. I don't know if it has happened before. <laughs> I'll likely never see it again. James Cook breaks free. He's in the clear. He's running with the ball and he drops the ball. Just, it well, drops the ball. It And he one hops it straight off the turf back into his hands again. Like he's dribbling a basketball. <laughs> I was like, hang on a second. It looked like something out of... Um, what, what's uh, is it? Is it Gaelic football in Ireland where they have to do that? Uh, Aussie rules, yeah, is what I was going to say. Uh, the Aussie, Aussie rules, yeah, sorry, you have to do. We well, have to, every three steps, you got to bounce the ball and pop Something it back, like that, pop yeah. it back up. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, what did did he plan this? Because it sort of threw the defence. I'm like, whoa, what just happened there? And he got an extra ten yards out of it. It was ridiculous. Uh, but then Josh Allen scores on a touchdown run. Scores on a touchdown run with 1.55 to go. And I thought, you know, we've got a chance. There's 1.55 to go. Broncos can get into field goal range. They got a good uh, third down conversion or a long uh, pass to Jerry Judy. But then the drives are stalling out. And Russell Wilson fires essentially with a Hail Mary to Judy. Underthrows it. Judy's coming back. He gets interfered with pass interference. And as we say, gentlemen, pass interference, spot penalty. I hate it, but my God, that I love it because it put the Broncos <laughs> into field goal range. And then what the Broncos did, now th- this is what basically um, won the game, uh, lost the game for the Buffalo Bills. Broncos got first down. There's like uh you know 50 seconds to go in the game they take a knee and they they need they're going to take another knee because they want to run down as much clock as possible on on the third down everyone in the stadium knows what's going to happen the broncos don't have any timeouts they're going to take a knee do another fire drill get all the the kicking unit on Kick the field goal. Everybody knows this is going to happen, including the Bills coaches. Head coach, defensive coach, special teams coach. They all know what's coming. So this is exactly what happens. Broncos take a knee and then run to kicking team on. Oh, they're on. 15 seconds ago. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Everyone's relaxed. Will Lutz lines up for the field goal. Kicks the field goal. 
misses it, misses it wide from 41 yards, and I I nearly died. I was like, I can't believe, I cannot believe we lost on a last-second field goal. He missed the field goal. But wait, what's that? There's a yellow thing on the field. It's a flag. <laughs> what's the flag for? Because nobody jumped offside. I was I was watching, you know, in case a false start, maybe they'll jump offside. No one jumped offside. The Bills had 12 men on defense. And I'm going, what? Five-yard penalty, untimed down. Well, that's knocks it in from 36 yards. Broncos win the game. It was a great game. It was so much fun to watch. But I have to say, how the Bills weren't prepared for that field goal and had 12 men on the field is insane it's absolute insanity the bills now fall to five and five the broncos are four and five right back in the mix dave i'll put it to you first it was a great game i loved it uh, as i say it was uh, it was all the emotions absolute roller coaster um courtland sutton uh, this is why we don't trade courtland sutton love mm. courtland sutton <laughs> i said that i said don't trade courtland sutton whatever you do you can run trade judy you can even though, you know, he got the pass in the end. Don't mm. trade Gordon Sutton. He made an incredible catch that touchdown pass. He did. But what were the Bills thinking at the end of this game? Dave. Well, uh, just, just to say, I mean, that catch, just first of all, was just amazing. That, that, it was, you, there was not a millimeter that could, that was spared there off, of the pitch. Russell Wilson, what a throw. Only Sutton could get it there. And he reached out, and it was just a perfect. It wasn't even a toe touch. It was. It was. He was just stood still. But he, a one one millimeter more, and he was out of bounds. But he managed to get it done, and that was brilliant. On the other side of the ball, um, we we've seen the casualties of this game already. Ken Dorsey's tenure uh, as offensive coordinator is now done. Um, so he's been sacked. Um, after the game, uh, Sean McDermott said that. Not only do they need to be better, but he's really annoyed that the twelve about the twelve men are on the field because they practice that a couple times a week, every week. So how that happened, he does not know. So I I, I think it's probably just one player uh, that has kind of panicked and gone to block it. And the, but the thing is though, that one decision has cost the entire game. Um, and obviously, Will Lutz probably the most relieved man <laughs> on that pitch right there, uh, because obviously he missed his first attempt and then drilled it the second time. But um, a few takeaways from the game, though, and for 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 Buffalo, uh, it's the I think it's the sixth straight game where they failed to score twenty six points. I think it is or more. Um, something along those lines, and that the first time they've done that since uh, Josh Allen's rookie year. So that's uh, that's probably why Ken Dorsey has been uh, given his P forty five or whatever they have in America. Um, I I really liked um, Moreau's interception because obviously it wasn't the best throw from Allen, but the anticipation by Moreau was really good i really like that one as well um but th- this game this uh, i think this week the games were either dire or they had practically everything and this was what this was a great game to round off um 
I did actually shout out during the day when I was watching the full game, what a catch <laughs> when, when Sutton caught it, uh, which my dog then started barking. So you can take that as my dog thought it was an amazing catch as well. For the pauses for the Bills, Dalton Kincaid looks the real deal. I, I think he's a really good tight end and he's going to be there for years to come. I'm not seeing many downsides for the Broncos. They're making a, a late push maybe for like the wild cards. Uh, the Bills need to get their finger out because they're 5-5. Five and five. The Dolphins are 6-3. and three, um, And I bet the Bills never thought they'd say that there's only a one-game differential between them and the Jets after after week 10. Uh, so the Jets are 4-5. and five. Uh, Obviously, there's rumours that Aaron Rodgers is uh, aiming for mid, uh, mid to late December to get back on the field. If there's a, a if there's any chance of him coming back, he could be the difference in maybe getting one or two games over the line for the Jets rather than Zach Wilson. Buffalo have, haven't shown much at all. Josh Allen's decision making in this game was not good uh, at all. I don't think it was all on the off- offensive coordinator, um, but I think Josh Allen really needs to look at some of the footage and think, what am I doing there? He's constantly he's going for the. They sort of challenging throw far too much. He's forcing the ball far too much. And sometimes you either just have to throw it away. He threw it away a couple of times, but not enough. Or take the sack. Um, because, you know, the turnovers are just getting ridiculous. And the turnovers is what's cause, causing them not to be as successful as they should be. Uh, Jake, I'm going to put it over to you. Just before I do, a couple of things. The Broncos' average starting position in this game was their own 42-yard line. Marvin Mims was returning kicks. Um, uh-huh. Although technically he doesn't qualify as a league leader because of the amount of kick returns and punch returns he's had. It's actually very few. He leads, he does actually lead the league in kick return average and punch return average. Uh, we mentioned the turnovers. Josh Allen has turned the ball over more than anyone since he entered the league. That's uh-huh. shocking for someone who, you know, like last year, in, and you know the people are like oh this guy MVP candidate Josh Allen you know he's right up there with Mahomes and and Burrow and that and he's really been turning he's looked much worse this year but one other thing I'm going to say so the Broncos started the season 0-3 they had the debacle in Miami where they allowed 70 points the following mm-hmm. week uh, they were 1-4 and four, and they were st- uh, sorry. They, they they were they were one and four. They were staring down a twenty one point deficit going into the fourth quarter against the Chicago Bears. Since then, the Denver Broncos defense has allowed the fewest points per game in the entire league, fifteen points per game. They've won three in a row. I'm man enough to say that maybe Vance Joseph isn't as bad as I thought he was as a defensive coordinator. So I'm going to say that. Uh, but Jake, this Denver Broncos team, what do you reckon? Three wins on the bounce. The schedule's not too bad going forward. We did lose PJ Locke to injury, but we're supposed to be getting uh, Kareem Jackson back next week. Although I'm going to be honest, not sure that's actually an upgrade. PJ Locke has been playing spectacularly well. What do you think of this Broncos team, Jake? And what did you think of the game? Yeah, well, I was really impressed with Russell Wilson. Uh, he scrambled well. He extended many drives with, with inventive plays. Uh, there was far too many holding and full start penalties for, for my liking, but I think we all, at the start of the season, were you know mocking the, the coaching staff and even Sean Payton, you know, should he be back coaching? Well, they have 
given time and patience, and they've certainly turned the the team around and the look around, and also kind of the outlook of of the Broncos. And you won't be getting mocked for picking the Broncos uh, going forward. Um, special teams left a lot to desire. Um, not just the punter not being able to hold a field goal, but he just had a really good knack for line driving out for a touchback constantly, uh, which was really frustrating to me. Uh, like I say, Will Lutz got majorly bailed out and left the hook. Uh, Ken Dorsey was an absolute scapegoat. Um, like you say, they're not going to bench Josh Allen. They're not going to fire Sean McDermott. They've just given him a contract, so somebody had to go. It's going to be him, but benching James Cook, who fumbled for literally the first time since his first career touch, probably really doesn't help your case, because when he came back in, he was fantastic. And it's like, well, why did we bench this guy? Yeah. Um, you mentioned the six straight games without those uh, scoring those points. It's also the six straight game with an interception for, for Josh, uh, which is the longest streak by a Bills quarterback since Fitzmagic in 2011. Uh, and I also had that kind of leagues, uh, leads the league in interceptions since he was drafted, because it's just bonkers. And like you say, he's always considered one of these top mm-hmm. three, top five quarterbacks, and he has that kind of talent. He just kind of is Brett Favre. He just <laughs> kind of tries to throw his way out of trouble a lot of times, and that's what will get you into trouble, and that's what gets your offensive coordinator fired. And I mentioned, I think it was last week or the week before, since Brian Dable left, Josh Allen hasn't been the same. And before uh, Brian Dable, Josh Allen was a bit r- rough. Oh, so yeah. I think Brian Dable really kind of elevated Josh Allen. And I'm not saying Josh Allen's not a gr- good to great quarterback, but he, I'm pretty sure he handpicked Ken Dorsey um, because when Br- Brian Dable left, Obviously, you're going to say to your quarterback, who do you want as the offensive coordinator, basically? You're the face of the franchise. And that didn't work. So what What now? What is the plan? I don't know what the plan is because um, Glenn Dorsey was not to blame for this loss. When I heard they fired the offensive coordinator, I was like, surely you fired the special teams coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, surely. Because you lost because there was 12 men on the field in that kick. You didn't lose because of the offense. Yes, Josh Allen threw two interceptions. One was right off the hands of Gabe Davis. The other one was an excellent break on the ball by Moreau. Um, Yes, he did fumble a handoff, but really the fumbled handoff was the only bad mistake Josh Allen made in this game. But there's, that's still Josh Allen's mistake. That's not the coordinator's mistake. And they lost because of the special teams. It's It's just... Denver should have won this game by 40 points. I mean, they had four turnovers and stopped them on downs. They, I, they, you know, they, were, they started near midfield in every single drive. Now, you mentioned Russell Wilson there. You look at his yardage, he's 24th in the league in yards, which is not great. But he has the highest touchdown percentage in the entire league. 18 touchdowns, four picks through nine games. That's... Pretty good in anyone's book. And what an upgrade over last year. With regards to Josh Allen, I, I, I don't know. He, you might be right. The, the Brett Favre analogy is spot on there because he's got raw talent coming out of his ears. Uh, just like a much more mobile version of Brett Favre. But he, he does make mistakes. And, uh, and as we already alluded to, too many interceptions. Um, but that, gentlemen, unless it's... Oh, maybe... Maybe James Cook was like, oh, you benched me for fumbling? This is how I fumble. And then did that, bounce it to himself. <laughs> That's how I fumble the ball. 
<laughs> Broncos yeah. defense. Broncos defense in this game was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding in this game. Pat Sertan, Pat Sertan oh. kept Stefan Diggs so quiet you, in that you game. Barely heard, barely heard Diggs' name at all. Mm-hmm. And by but association, see, I think it was a, um, maybe I think it was Moreau's one that I expected Sertan's name to be called there. You know, for for the pick on the interception. Yeah, yeah. I th- I thought it was him, but it was on the other side. But that's why Josh Allen kept. He, he was looking for Diggs. He saw Sertan there. Sertan's coverage was really good. Didn't want to throw to him. So there you go. It's like a kind of Champ Bailey-esque all over again. <laughs> yeah, just, just maybe, don't maybe throw not quite, his dad. But yeah, no, no, exactly. yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. ready to see Sertan's in the same league as Champ Bailey. But uh, if he keeps playing like this, I mean, you talk about shutdown corner. It, his play is absolutely incredible. So, gentlemen, I'm happy, even though, you know, I'm sorry your Saints lost, Jake. Uh, the Rams are on a bye week, so that makes all of us happy. Now that makes me happy, yeah. Trust me, Dave. Saints are a bye week next week, baby. Saints are a bye week. Let's go. Jake's happy. There you go. Broncos are a bye week last week. Three weeks in a row. We're so, we're so depressing. This isn't a podcast. This is a support group. <laughs> well, sometimes that's what we need as fans of the NFL. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, that wraps up our week 10 review. So we now come to our week 10 WinFL Awards Offensive Player of the Week. Jake McGee, who do you have? I gave it Keenan Allen. He went 11 for 175 yards and two touchdowns, even if it was a loss. I gave it to uh, Brock Purdy. 19 of 26, 296 yards, three touchdowns for a 140.9 rating against a very, very, very stout Jaguar defense. And you know what that means, Steve? The Brock Purdy high screen. Is right back on track. Oh, yes, baby. All aboard the Brock Party Hype Train Offensive Player of the Week. Dave, who you got? Well, moving on to be- better <laughs> things. Um, I've, I've given it to Noah Brown. Uh, yeah, it's seven receptions, 172 yards for the Texans. He was fantastic in the game. And yeah, that, that one play where he just breaking tackles and driving the team forward was just brilliant for me. So uh, I, gave, I, it was, I was almost giving it to Devin Singletary. 30 carries for 150 yards in the TD, but I've given it to Noah Brown this week. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, I was tempted to give it to Dak, 26, 35, yeah. 404 yeah. yards, four touchdowns in three quarters, but then I remembered he was playing the Giants, so it doesn't count. So, the, sorry, Dak. Sorry, Tim, if he's listening, to apologize. Uh, defensive Player of the Week, Jake McGee, who do you have? Well, I purposely didn't give it to those Texans because I gave it to a Texan here, Sheldon Rankins. He uh, had three of the four Texans sacks, two tackles for loss, four quarterback hits. He was a big boy, causing big problems. Um, yeah, absolutely no argument yet. He was fantastic in this game and all over the field. Sheldon Rankins, also for me, Defensive Player of the Week. Dave? I was going to give it to him, but then I thought it's it's about unfair to give it to two Texans since my offensive one was. So I've given it to Robert Spillane of the Raiders, uh, even though they were up against the Jets. We've got to remember that. But he had an interception, he had a sack, and he had seven tackles in the game. So a very competent defensive performance from Robert Spillane. And special teams slash defensive unit, Jake, who have you got? I decided to give it to the 49ers defense. They had five sacks, two interceptions. Uh, should have had a, a scoop and score on the, the fumble, like I said. Uh, that was chalked off because of the bench or the staff. And they had another fumble recovery as well. And um, Warner and Hufanga 
both were kind of in con- uh, contention early just to be my defensive player. Couldn't really decide, so in the end, I just decided to give it the whole 49ers defense. Uh, I think James can read in my notes because that's exactly why I've gone for the 49ers here. They were, they were just, they, the Jags had no answer for it. Absolutely, couldn't do anything against that defense. I've also gone with the 49ers defense. Dave? Well, a big surprise here. I've not given it to the 49ers defense. What a uh, shock. Yeah, what a shock that is. But uh, I've given it to a very special unit that remembered that it was someone's birthday on Monday. So I've given it to the Buffalo Bills special teams for <laughs> putting 12 men on the field just for your birthday. So the Buffalo Bills special teams all oh the way. Oh, my. I could have given it to the Broncos defense. You know, they've... they've, they've, they've um, they, they, would, they would have deserved it. Nine, nine turnovers in the last two two games mm-hmm. against the Chiefs and the Bills. That's pretty good. So a uh, special shout out to Vance Joseph. Mm-hmm. Special shout out. Never thought I would say that. Ever. But two He's weeks back on the Christmas card t- list. T- he is. That's two games. As long as you don't end in stupid Vance, then you you have uh, you know hand on heart, I I was all for firing him after the Miami game. I was but he, he's come good the last few games, so fair play. Uh, gentlemen, that wraps it up. And now we are going to do our rapid fire week 11 preview. We started the Bengals at the Ravens. And I am taking the Ravens to bounce back and hand the Bengals their second consecutive loss. Because I'm taking the Ravens at home. 27 to 20. Jake. I'm also taking the Ravens. 20 to 17. But yeah, sticking with the, the purple team. I'm also picking the the Ravens here. I, I think they're, that defense, especially led by Roquan Smith, is going to be the difference here. So I'm picking the Ravens to win by 30 points to 27. Ooh. We then have the Detroit Lions playing host to the Chicago Bears. Apologies to Bears fans. I'm taking the Lions to win it and win it big. I've got them this one winning this one by a score of 30 to 13. I've got 24 to 13 also obviously, for the Lions. I don't have 13. Uh, I have 17 for the Bears, but I have 39 for Detroit, so 39 points to 17. We then have the Arizona Cardinals at the Houston Texans, and I've got a funny feeling this is going to be a very close game. In fact, I've got it going into overtime, but guess what? CJ Stroud does it again and leads an overtime walk-off touchdown as the Texans win this one, 27-21. Also, I'm picking my Texans 30-20. to 20. We're all in the kind of same ballpark. I'm, I'm picking the Texans, but I think it's going to be even closer than that. I don't think it's going to go to overtime, but I think I've got the Texans 26-24. We then have the Dallas Cowboys at the Carolina Panthers. And no surprises here. I'm taking the Cowboys to win. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was uh, against the Giants. I've got the Cowboys winning this one by a score of 31-12. to 12. Oh, So close. 30-13. to 13. Again, obviously for the Cowboys. We're, we're all in the same, same kind of ballpark. Again, I've got 31 points to 10. Then have the New York Giants travelling to take on the Washington Commanders. Uh, no surprises from picking Washington at home in this one. They're going to win it by a score of 26 to 7. Picking the Commanders in an instant classic, tying the Patriots Colts for the lowest scoring game, 10 to 6. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm picking the commanders. I think Sam Howell is going to tear apart uh, these giants. I'm going to take them at 30 points to 12. Have we all picked the same team, every single one so far? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. That's, a, that's, a, I think that's a record in itself. And I don't think it's going to change when the Tennessee Titans pick, uh, go to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. I reckon the Jaguars bounce back in this one and they win by a score of 24 to 9 over the Titans. I also have the Jaguars scoring 24. I have the, the Titans slightly more respectfully scoring 17, but it's not going to be enough. I'm going to rock the boat here. I think the Jaguars' bad home performance continues. And I'm going to, I know the Titans are terrible away as well, but I think that it, they're going to turn it around. I'm going to say the Titans are going to win by 16 points to 13. Patrick's going to kill Say you, you don't like Patrick. Just say it. Wow. <laughs> wow. My goodness. Apologies, Patrick. Sorry about Dave. Uh, with that, we then come to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns, and this is going to be a classic AFC North battle. Not like that last one between the Ravens and the Browns. This is an old-fashioned 16-13 win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Away! We've gone the Browns 16-15, to 15, so oh. we're the same kind of feelings, but different teams. Yeah, this is going to be almost exactly like you guys have predicted because I'm not going any different, but I'm going to say it's going to be 19 points to 13 for the Cleveland Browns. For the Browns. Uh, we then have the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to take on the Miami Dolphins coming off their bye week, and I reckon with a bye week, the Dolphins are going to absolutely kill the Raiders in this one. Uh, although the Raiders will put up some points, I've got the Dolphins winning this one, 42-29. Yeah, I do have Antonio Pierce taking his first loss. The Dolphins, 31-18. I've also got 42 points for the Dolphins, but I've got 16 for the Ravens. So I, th- I think the Dolphins are going to tear them apart, I'm afraid. We then have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Green Bay Packers, and I think the Chargers win this one on the road. Um, I've got it on a close game, but a nice high-scoring one, 31-28 to Chargers. Every game is a road game to the Chargers. Uh, I've got them winning 27-21. to 21. Couldn't agree more, but uh, I, I think the Chargers putting up 34, and I think the Packers only put up 16. We then have the Tampa Bay Buccane- Buccaneers traveling to take on the San Francisco 49ers. I've got the 49ers winning again, but it'll be a much more respectable score from Tampa Bay's point of view. I've got the 49ers winning this one, 28-18. Don't ask me how I did the maths. 49ers win 19-12. to 12. My goodness. Yeah, well, I've also got 28 for the 49ers. But I've got 10 for the Bucs. I just I don't see the Bucs getting, and Baker getting through this 49ers defense whatsoever. Then I have the New York Jets traveling to take on the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills get back on track with this one. Um, and I've got them winning it, but not scoring that many points. Got them winning it 21 16. I uh, also have the Bills winning 25 15. I, th- I think this is going to be a low scoring game. Um, I, I think it's going to be 20 points for the Bills, but I think it's going to be 9 points for the Jets. We then have the Seahawks travelling to take on the Los Angeles Rams, coming off their bye, Dave. Coming off their bye. Mm. I'm taking your Rams at home in an absolute squeaker, 17-16. to 16. I believe the spread is 1.5 the Rams are getting. Um, I've got them covering, because I've got the Seahawks winning 21-20. You're so mean. <laughs> like, I, I, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've, with, with no faith, I've, I've got the Rams 24-21. We then have the Minnesota Vikings traveling to take on the Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium. Um, and I think Josh Dobbs gets his comeuppance in this one, but it's going to be close again. I've got the Broncos winning a fourth in a row. Um, and it's going to be 26-24 to Denver. I'm taking the Broncos to cover. And they're two and a half point favorites. 27, yes. 24. Oh. Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's ride. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got the Broncos not to cover. But they're going to win. They're going to win 21, 20. And they're going to put a dent into Dobbs and come away and be five and five. And we then have the Monday night game, and this should be an absolute doozy. Both teams coming off the bye week. Philadelphia at Kansas City. I've got Kansas City winning in an t- absolute shootout here. 35-33. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait for this game, but I went with my gut, and I've gone Eagles 24-23. Nice. Me and Jake are on the same wavelength because I've got the Eagles winning by one point as well, but I've got it 28-27. And the Eagles to score all their points in the first three quarters. Nothing in the fourth quarter. Patrick Mahomes just falling short. (laughs) And that wraps up our Week 11 Rapid Fire Preview. So, gentlemen, we come to our final segment uh, for this week, and it is, of course, Random Stats. Random stats. Random stats. Yeah. Um, who would like to go first for random stats this week? I wouldn't mind. I've not been first a while. And mine is very short and sweet. Okie dokie. So, Alvin Kamara had two two-point conversions this week. His sixth was tying Mark Ingram for a franchise record. And then his seventh ties the NFL record for the most two-point conversions. Would you like to guess who he is tied with? For the most two-point conversions? I'm going to say... Huh, two-point... Con- they're snapped from the two-yard line, aren't they? The two-point conversions? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's somebody ridiculous, like uh, the guy who used to play for the Patriots. Um, <laughs> um, is it Gray? Was it Jonas Gray? Was that his name? The running back? Was that was it Jonas? like Brandon Bolden or like, I, I don't know who. I think it was Jonas Gray, I think his name was. So I'm going to say him. He was a running, I'm sure he was a running back for the Patriots. I'll say Jonas Gray. I was going to say, Dave. I was going to say maybe like, Russell Wilson. Well, you'll see why I picked this because the Saints are on a bye next week. The Rams are on a bye this week. He is tied with Marshall Falk. Oh, there you go. That's what. I, well, that's why I thought it was going to be maybe some like Russell Wilson was going to be yes, one of our yeah, teams. You, you, kind of you, I was on the right the wavelength. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great little stop. Yeah, sure, sweet. I was struggling and then I saw that and I thought, hey, that ties it in quite nicely for two of our three teams. Lovely. Well done, Jake. Um, Dave, do you want to go next? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, all, now, before the show, I was saying that I was torn between two, but I've picked one. And I'm going to put forward my case that the 2013 Washington, obviously at the time they were the Redskins, 
coaching staff was the craziest in history with the weirdest outcome. Because I'm going to read to you what the 2013 coaching staff of Washington was. So offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. Tight ends coach, Sean McVay. Matt LaFleur was a quarterback's coach. Uh, Bobby Slowick, who is the Texans' offensive coordinator and possible future head coach, was a defensive assistant. You had Mike McDaniel. Now, we know about him. Wide receiver uh, coach. Chris Forrester was an offensive line coach. And also Raheem Morris, the current defensive coordinator of the Rams, was on the Washington coaching staff in 2013. That year, Washington went 3-13. and with those future head coaches and offensive coordinators. I think that is one of the craziest coaching lineups, and yet they went 3-13 and 13 that year. Sorry, who, who was the head coach? I don't even have that written down. I don't know how I missed that. But <laughs> I have everyone except the Washington head coach. I'm, I'm guessing uh, it was Mike Shanahan. I think you could be right. Uh, 2013 head coach was... Mike Shanahan. Yeah, with all with all those those Shanahan tree guys. That's a, that's a Shanahan tree right there. Yeah, oh, but yeah. the defensive cor- defense coordinator, Jim Haslett. Jim Haslett. My goodness. Yeah. And they went three and thirteen. That's that's, that's, just, that's, that's uh, a Washington yeah. effect. <laughs> it's pretty much a Washington. The Dan Dan, Dan it was Dan Snyder the owner in twenty thirteen. I forget when he bought the team. Yeah, I think it could be the Snyder possible. effect. I'm not sure. It was Dan Snyder's fault. Let's just agree on that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, is. you can't but have they, that they much also, coaching talent. And <laughs> the other thing as well, though, is that they they had three Pro Bowlers that year as well. <laughs> they went three and thirteen. Alfred was Morris. Al- Al- Morris. I was going to say. Was ah, sorry. Was it Davia? Yeah. Alfred yeah. Morris. You both uh, said it at the same time. Um. Uh, yeah, Garcon. No. Well, he didn't. Was it mm. was it was it the tight end? Um, no. Oh, offensive line and linebacker. I like Drake London. Oh. Trent Williams. Who was the linebacker? I know who the linebacker. Who's the linebacker though? I'm, I'm, sorry, Arakpo. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. Oh, yeah. Sorry, who was it? Brian Arakpo. Brian Rock. I was saying Drake London. I meant London Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying Drake London. I was like, I was what? Like, no. What's Drake London doing at linebacker in 2013? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he was, he, was, he was still in primary school at that point. <laughs> I, I meant London Fletcher. Oh, Brian Arakpo. Brian Arakpo. Yes. Wow, but Ryan Kerrigan were, were beasts. Oh, yes. Ryan Kerrigan. Do you remember him, Neosa? I do. I do indeed. Because, yeah, I mean, I mean that that team was stats. Like, well, aside from maybe a few little pieces here and there, but and that would have uh, been um, what's his name's sophomore year, RG three. Uh-huh. Yes, but who else was a the quarterback there? You like that, Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins? Yes, it was Kirk Cousins. Yeah, so he's gone on to do nothing, obviously, in the <laughs> NFL. <laughs> so you know that again, and obviously, uh, you know, wide receiver. It's Santana Moss. Santana Moss uh, was, was there, and Pierre Garçon. I think we've already said well, well him. Done, Great name. Yeah, I think we're, and obviously you know you've already spoken about London Fletcher, but yeah, there was uh, it, it was just a stacked team that just did not gel. And um, one of my favourite uh, cornerbacks of all time was there as well. And it's only because it's one of it's the one I saw was D'Angelo Hall. Um, 
I think that's also the year that they got Albert Hinsworth in the offseason. Because ooh, was I know. 2013 not the year they got the absolute hell beaten out of them by the Eagles with Mike I, Vick at quarterback? And I think that might have been the year before. Or was that, was that 2012? It, I think so. I, I'm sure I did a random stat on him before. Albert oh, Hinsworth was one of the worst kind of free agents. Yeah, um, well, it was moves. it was that that play where they're losing by 50 points and he, he gets blocked into the dirt and then refuses to get up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they scored that, another touchdown. I thought that was twenty thirteen. It might it might have been twenty twelve. You might. Oh, it was it was it was. I think it was twenty ten, twenty two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Twenty ten was it? Yeah, wow. because he he moved he moved to Washington two thousand nine. So that oh was just goodness. before that. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I, I was way out years out. My goodness, my so that's old old age does. You see, that's what old age does for you. My memory starting. I'm to not go. saying anything. I yeah, would I never. Think say you better anything. not. You've already said enough. <laughs> you already you keep it on enough. Yeah. <laughs> I like it though, Dave. Like it. Good, good stat. Well done. Well done. Um, right. So um, I'll finish off the random stats. My random stats also concerns the Washington as they were then known Redskins. But this is a story about kickers. Now, we've already covered kickers and Redskins mm. kickers previously in random stats. But I don't think we've ever mentioned this guy. Because we know that the NFL, especially these days is very fickle with its kickers if they miss kicks. We've seen kickers get dropped the day after a game or the night, uh, you know, they lose a game, kicker's been cut. You know, you missed a game-winning field goal, boom, he's gone. You missed two field goals, boom, he's gone. You missed three, oh my word. Well, we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Kurt Knight. Kurt Knight played for the Washington Redskins, as they were known at the time, between 1969 and 1973. And he made one Pro Bowl. Now, this is my favourite bit of this stat. In the year, in, in his, his rookie season, 1969, he went he 16 of 27. So 59.3 percentage. Not great. But, you know, he was a rookie. Uh, in 1970, he went 20 of 27 um, for a 74% percentage. Now, in 1971, the year he made a Pro Bowl, he hit a league-high 29 field goals. So he led the league in field goals, made 29. But he attempted 49. He missed 20 field goals in 14 games. 59.2% um, average, he made the Pro Bowl as a kicker missing 20 field goals in one year. That's an all-time NFL record. The following year... Never to be broken. The, the following year, he uh, went 14 of 30 for 46.7%. And you're thinking, well, surely after missing 20 field goals in a year, he didn't even cut. No. The next year, he missed uh, 16 field goals. So surely after that, surely... After that, he'd have been cut. He wasn't. He played one more year in the league, also with Washington, in which he went 22 out of 42, missed 20 field goals again, still an NFL record, for 52.4% um, 
make, making, what do you call it? <laughs> Success rate on yeah, field make, goals. Make, make percentage. Yeah. So he set the NFL record of 20 missed field goals in 1971 and made a Pro Bowl and then did it again two years later. You think, what do they have to do? He must have had like pictures of the head coach or something. I mean, you don't <laughs> miss 20 field goals, miss 16 field goals and then miss 20 field goals and, and keep your job. That is just unbelievable. That is the story of Kurt Knight and that is my random stat. I thought you said his name was Kurt Knight, not Nathaniel Hackett with the pictures of <laughs> to keep his job. I'm just saying, the dude missed 20 field goals. I know he led the league in field goals in 29, but he missed 20. Mm. Kept his job, missed 16 the following year, kept his job, and then missed another 20, and then they finally got short of it. So the NFL record is 20, missed field goals in a season by one player. It's not the all-time record by a team that actually goes to the Green Bay Packers in 1964 who missed 27 in 12 games uh but that they were spread they had like running backs attempting field goals and you know linebackers were kicking and all that kind of stuff this was a kicker 20 missed field goals the Jameis winston of kickers he sounds exciting you don't know what you're going to get when he sits (laughs) on the field like he could make it he could miss it we don't know what's going to happen it's one job he's all he's got is one job and he just yeah like jake said he's he's the Jameis of kickers, but yeah, that is a, it's a great stat, but at the same time, it's pretty, I mean, it's one way to make a living, I suppose. If, if you can't be good, be exciting. Absolutely. That, that's not, maybe, I'm not saying that about Jameis. Can I point that? That's not what I want to say. But that is Jameis. Even when he's, even when he's playing badly, he's really good fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's, he's either great or shocking <laughs> in one way or another. Normally, does both in the same game. <laughs> in the same play. <laughs> uh, so there we are, gentlemen. Was there anything else we wanted to add before we wrap up? Happy you'll, get a happier, you'll get a happier me next week because no Saints. No Saints next week. So G- Jake will be happy. Uh, Dave, did you have anything else you needed to add? It's a big happy birthday. Cheers. No, thank you very much. Uh, it, it, was on, it was on Monday, but thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's, yeah, and you got your birthday present at the I perfect did. time as well. Yeah. I also got two well, Broncos t shirts from my lovely wife for my birthday as well. So that was nice. I got an orange one and a blue one. So there you go. That was nice. Wow. She has the patience of a saint, but she knows what I like. I like Broncos stuff. So there we go. Uh, gentlemen. That is the end of our podcast. Oh, don't forget, Dave. That is the end of our podcast. Um, don't forget, you can catch us on Twitter X uh, at the WinFL Show. You can also find myself, Jake, Dave, Tim, Patrick, Andrew, everyone, but on there somewhere, floating around on the internet ether. Um, and next week, of course, as Jake already mentioned, Saints are on a bye. The Broncos are going to win again. Uh, the Rams are going to win, Dave. So we're all going to be really happy next week. <laughs> we're going to have. Just, let's, just, let's just calm a little bit. Let's, let's, gonna, let's hey, I'm, I'm calling it now. Calling it now. Um, we've got. Uh, we're going to have a week eleven recap. Obviously, we'll have our NFL awards. We'll have our week twelve rapid fire preview, and of course, we will have random stats. Thank you to everyone uh, listening, and we will catch you on next week's edition of the NFL Show.